Welcome to Ben Navarra's podcast with your host, Ben Navarra's. I was going to say, should you hit go before I go and dive oh, into yeah, it? We've been, we've been recording. Okay, nice. Yeah. nice. Oh, <laughs> Ben? Hey, 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 get in there. I was you know? like, I don't know how much conversation we, that we should have before we turn it off. That's why, I, yeah, you know? And you see, I think what's cool is that it allows like for the natural conversation to continue the way it was going to go. Right, um, exactly. And makes it feel, it, this has been also in person oh, is yeah. infinitely better or much more organic. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you do some online before? I have done most of them online. Okay. And it makes me really sad. Yeah. It's just not the same. Right. It's like uh, you played Dungeons and Dragons. I, a long time ago, but yeah. yes. It's like trying to play Dungeons and Dragons on Discord. It's like it works and it gets the job done, but it's not the same. You're, you're, you're on like streaming stuff all the time or something, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. And when did you start? Why? Um, well, I started on Discord when I just started, like, started playing video games in general. I got to college, Counter-Strike, Global Offensive, like the shooter. Um, and so we were on TeamSpeak. So I was like OG voice chat, right? And then we switched to Discord because of the functionality. Um, but then, yeah. And so I've, I've basically just joined like all the different Discords. So I have like fitness ones, gaming ones. We made one for our like house. Um, yeah, we call like it your, the Fi House. The Discord. house? Um, it's, it was an apartment, but we called it the Fi House because we, oh man. Wow. Yeah. We're really diving deep already. <laughs> so long story short, I was in student bonfire in college and okay. the crew chiefs were like, you know, it'd be really red ass is if y'all stole a Greek letter because there was a frat that we really, really hated. Anyway, we show up, the frat guys are like all over the place. We're like, all right, this isn't gonna happen. So we go to a sorority house instead. And so we stole a giant fi off their porch and it just like made its rounds through people's apartments. So it landed in ours, so we call ourselves the Fi House because there's a giant Fi sign. That's pretty neat. Yeah. So anyway, all that to say, we have a Discord called the Fi House that all my roommates and I started. So that's how we keep in touch and we hop in there when we play games and stuff like that. Um, so you no longer live with them, all right, obviously? Yeah. Yeah. One moved to Dallas and then another one moved to Boston with his girlfriend for work. Did you go to A&M? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I graduated with a degree in sports conditioning. Same thing. Yeah. So yeah. it's not a, a full-fledged degree. Yeah, I know, which is so upsetting. Right. It's so frustrating. But it's like – and they're supposed to be making it into a full-fledged degree with Dr. Reekman as the person who's going to like run the thing. Right. But yeah. it's like in the works. And I'm like, mm-hmm. fuck it. Hurry up. Make, yeah. Move it along because that's a good degree to have. Like, right. And it can be something that really has a lot of value. Like you learn all the things about coaching and then – there's, I think there could be more science-based, and I think that was the goal, to have it more, like, physiology-inclusive, in- right, which would yeah. be so fucking helpful. Like, otherwise, mm-hmm. we're just making more coaches that are just, like, that regular high school coach that you remember back in high school. Exactly. So, but we can actually have a platform where we can actually do something here. Exactly, And yeah. so, hopefully, it gets there one day. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when did you graduate? Uh, I was class of 2019, but graduated 2020. So, yeah. we, first, we first overlapped. Graduate. We did? Yeah. Okay. I graduated in 18, so then okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. we're in the same class as teachers say, around. There, yeah, there was probably a chance we were in the same class at one point and just didn't realize it. Yeah. Were you a pretty social student guy? No, I was not. I was social in student bonfire. In the actual classes themselves, I don't think I made friends in kinesiology until like my last year. So like in 2020. Um, I feel like that's 
maybe most people, mm-hmm. but may also maybe projecting. It's like, cause that was <laughs> my same thing. It's like, I kind of knew people, but it was so to myself. And then finally, like the last year you finally met some people, mm-hmm. but then they kind of disappear. Or at least they did for me. Did exactly. you stay in touch with most of your, um, or any of your class? Do you know any of your class? So yes. Uh, Thomas, the guy that you've seen me training with that, uh, barbell, uh, every now and then beard, hat on the shoulder, um, shaved head as well. Uh, he and I met in kinesiology and he and I still talk. Um, obviously like we work together. He's technically one of my bosses over at uh, merit house fitness. Um, merit house fitness oh, yeah. has one free week. You can get three free training sessions with the trainer, have a professional watch you zero cost. There you go, <laughs> man. Look at that. Oh, plug get, in, get already plugging it in. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, so I keep in touch with them. Obviously work together. There's some other people that I just like keep in touch with like through text and like discord. Um, but yeah, a lot of the friends that I made in kinesiology were in like the last year and like the last year of my degree program and everything before that was friends I made through student bonfire. But once I got far enough into student bonfire, I was like, all right, this is a lot less about camaraderie and more about like, uh, there was like a lot of drama involved. Um, I got involved with one girl in bonfire, which was like kind of against the rules because we were both part of leadership. And so they were like, oh, you can't date within leadership. But then everybody else started breaking the rules. And I was like, well, we'll see how it goes. It went south. It was a whole thing. Um, <laughs> There's probably a reason that rule existed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was like, well, they're making it work. Like, we'll make it work. And then they didn't make it work. And then I could take a little bit of blame, but a lot of it was on her end. And I was like, all right, this is it. I'm out. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm going to focus on like my career, right? Because my grades were tanking because I wasn't focusing on school. Classic story, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so... Ended up taking a victory lap because I started in physics, went to general studies, and then went to kinesiology. Say that one more time. Started in physics, mm-hmm. went to general chem. Uh, general studies. General studies. So like, no degree major. Yeah. Yeah. And then sports conditioning. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And uh, so, you know, like sports conditioning is the concentration with the double minor. Yeah. Um, so I got my minors in psychology and coaching. And coaching was like the required one. Yeah. And psychology is one I chose. Um, what were what were your two same minds? same yeah. yeah coaching obviously and then okay. I, I went to psychology because I felt like that was going to be the most applicable to working with clients you know like right. understanding right. how the brain works understanding how people work exactly um, yeah. which I think there can be a lot of value in those classes some of them I'll, I don't know which ones you took and I can't really remember off the top of my head mm-hmm. which is, I think I took abnormal yep I took um, social social I did not take okay. um, growth and the growth and development or something like that mm-hmm. it was um, like the pace of the, the way brain grows yeah. um, and then it's five classes so whatever the other ones are obviously not super right. memorable uh, but a lot of like abnormal and like disease related things more than anything else mm-hmm. I was interested in like autism and, and OCD, OCD and, and all sorts right. of other things like that so yeah. that was more my, my focus okay yeah, yeah I did abnormal as well I took social psych um, I took psychology of women, but that really turned into gender studies really fast. And I'm not going to say I didn't learn anything. However, is not what I expected. Um, but yeah, so 
that was an interesting time. It was I less, the professor. Less but, about women specifically and more just... No, it was it was less about psychology and more about gender uh, studies. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Which, again, definitely learned something from. Totally fine. Just not what I expected. Um, great class. I aced it. So, that, that counts for something, right? Always. Boosted that GPA a little bit. <laughs> um, which is good because after, I think after my first year, I had a 1.9 GPA. Damn. So, I got put on academic probation. They are like, fix it or you're out. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Such a similar yeah. story. I, I had a 0.6 by the end of my first semester. Really? Uh-huh. You have to try for a 0.6. You have to try for what a 0.6. What, I, I just, I was so like excited about going to college, but at the same time, it was my first time competing for Team USA. Okay. So it was like, my, my choices were either go to... Gigum week, right? That's the thing where they get uh, like howdy week, howdy week. Mm-hmm. But then when before, it's like we have that camp that you go fish camp, fish camp. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Um, man, that was yeah. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> what is that camp called? So it was either go to fish camp or go to worlds. Okay. And I was like, oh well, I'm gonna go to worlds, obviously. Yeah, that's a really easy decision. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when I got back, it was. During Howdy Week, and I, it was I, I got a couple gold medals. I got second overall. My first, like I never thought I'd even compete for Team USA. It kind of did, kind of didn't. Um, but it just moved so much faster getting to that level of success that I was like, oh my god, this is amazing, right? And so I got back. Howdy Week was that week, so that means that there was nothing but drinking. And it was a whole thing. There's all these parties going on. Oh, yeah. So then I just started drinking a shit ton, and then it continued into the semester, and it never stopped. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just drinking; it was I smoked all the time. I just, mm-hmm. I mean. And I'd show up to classes, but never really wanted to put in the work. Right. Because um, and, and then in combination with that, I started on the A and M powerlifting team. Mm-hmm. Got a good community of buddies. Started making a lot of friends. I was like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. I get to lift with a bunch of really cool people. And then I also I'm preparing for nationals. I had benching more than I ever had. All the numbers were going up. Right. I was working in an exercise physiology lab with Dr. Lightfoot mm-hmm. and it was like it was surreal to be in the room with these people all these postdoctoral students and doctoral students that were way more intelligent than I was and it was in it was just fun to be like in the lab like killing mice and taking blood out of them and trying to find different genetic factors lead, leading to all these different cancers and things and like making some big moves like we, we right. did one study with rats that we injected a specific plastic out of makeup into a like the first generation of rats and then this plastic the cancer that it, it caused was existed for three generations down uh-huh. and so like even these all the way down here they still had tumors mm-hmm. and so it was and we got to track like western diets versus a traditional diet and how that influenced um their their dopamine and how often they were more likely to work out and it was like these like profound things that where i thought okay this is college right this is the thing yeah fuck the classes bio one-on-one are you fucking kidding me we're learning about this again Right. It was, it, but it's a, it's a weed out, right? It's like, can you still manage these things and then do this? Exactly. And yeah. I got in trouble where I was like, all right, I'm, I want all of this. I want the college thing. Mm-hmm. Don't really care about the class thing. Right. And so I ended up coming out with a 0.6, getting kicked out my first semester. Dang. I went back and I went not even probation. It was like automatic. I was out. Yeah. And then I, I signed a contract with a different college. I signed a contract with the... AgriLife, I guess. Um, but I did. I switched over to food science, whatever college that okay. exists in. Yeah. And so 
I studied there. I didn't end up going to nationals because of my grades. Mm-hmm. And that was the one and only of the four years that they won a national title. So everyone came oh. back with rings. Yeah. And even if I didn't place, which I was on track to place, you know, I would have gotten second to Ian Bell, which I'll fucking take second to Ian all day. <laughs> yeah. You know? And <laughs> it was it was super saddening and super cool and um Ended up signing that contract, and 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 I part of that contract was I couldn't drop any classes, and I ended up dropping one because uh-huh. I needed to meet a specific GPA. It was like three point five, right? And if I got that C, then it was going to drop me under the three point five. So I was like, oh, I'll just drop it. Mm-hmm. Dropped it. Ended up finding out afterwards that I couldn't drop yeah. anything. Ended up getting kicked out entirely and was gone for a year. No way. Year and a half. They didn't like. There wasn't like a hold on your account that like forced it so you couldn't remove classes. Mm-hmm. That's rough. Yeah. Dropped it, submitted the paperwork. I was out. I was like, I'm safe. Thank the Lord. Yeah. And then ended up getting kicked out. That's a catch 22 though. Like if you're going to get the C, like either way, you would have ended up underneath the bar, right? So I still would have gotten kicked out anyway. So I guess it was inevitable, which is, I guess I forced it rather than I thought I was doing something good. It is anyway, you know, it kind of sucks. Okay. But I feel like it happens so often where, you know, you get, you know, you get this like life of social, this life of excitement. And then there's like, oh yeah, there's also all these things that yep. I'm supposed to do as well. Yeah. Yeah. I started dating a girl like October of my first semester. And I was like the same thing. I was like, oh, this is college. Like partying, drinking on the weekends, barely showing up to class, definitely prioritizing like her over like studying, playing too many video games, drinking, smoking, the whole works, right? And then, like, I finished my first semester. I'm like, dude, I'm on 1.9. What the F happened? <laughs> and I know what happened. So, I was taking, it was, like, math 140 or, like, the lowest math you can take, like, geometry and stuff, right? Finding areas of circles. that. <laughs> and I was like, this is the easiest class ever. I'm not going to show up to it. So, I, like, missed a couple quizzes, um, thought I could make it up on the exams. And I remember there was one exam that... I got back and I was like, dude, I got a 26 on this exam. How is that even possible? Like, I'm not that dumb, right? Turns out I had flipped two pages together and just missed like half the exam entirely. Damn. And I was like, I remember like as soon as I got it back, saw that grade and went to like flip it. I was like, I missed a page, like front and back. (laughs) Like didn't even put any work on it. And I was like, that's why I walked out before everybody else. I was like, damn, this exam is easy. (laughs) And then I get it back. I'm like, I'm fucking this guy. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, but the kicker was I was only taking 12 hours and that class is weighted for four of those hours. Damn. And so that just tanked me. And I was like, all right, no more stupid mistakes. Like we'll dial it in. Um, and then and we ended up graduating. I think I ended up with a GPA of like just under three. It was like a 2.87 or some weird number like that. And I was like, nobody looks at GPA once you get a job, right? And then turns out they don't. So here, here we are. <laughs> but in the middle of it, I feel like... It, like you think that they do. Right. It's right, like this yeah. insane pressure. Like if I'm not at a three, five, four, oh, whatever it may yeah. be, then I'm fucked. That's uh-huh. it. That's it. And I was the same position. I was like two, eight, two, nine. It's like, right. I don't know if I'm going to make it, man. I don't know if I'm going to get out of college. Like yeah. I'm going to get out of college. But I don't know if I'm gonna, like, what can I do? Exactly. Gonna look like who's going to hire me? Right. <laughs> and not one single person has ever asked me my GPA. Yeah. I didn't even put it on my resume when I started applying to places. I was just like, I went to AM, got a four year degree. People were like, that's cool. You want a job? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> that <laughs> Nobody nice. asked me a single time. So it's, it's like conversations like this where I'm like, oh, yeah, I almost got like kicked out of college, graduated underneath the 3.0. And like it just didn't matter. Right. It really does. It doesn't. was like I was hanging out with so many engineers that needed the 3.5 for their like academic um, 
was it uh, financial aid, right? For yeah, I and then think, uh, and like then to stay three O minimum to yeah, and like three O minimum to like progress to such and such, and then so I caught caught up in that, and then like after I graduated, I was like, oh, all my friends were just like science nerds that actually need to worry about that, and it rubbed off on me, and like it doesn't actually matter at all. In real life, it doesn't matter. What was yeah. your first job when you got out of college? Like, what? what so what did you want to do going into the sports conditioning? Like, what did you want to get out of it? Yeah, so every class in kinesiology they would like start with like all right what's your name what's your major what are your minors and then like what do you want to do when you graduate and my answer was always like i want to open my own gym or become like a high school coach middle school high school wherever i end up starting and then i got closer and closer to graduation and it was like i was writing papers um doing projects all sorts of stuff right and I kept on having the thought where it's like, damn, it'd be really nice if I was getting paid for this, right? I, I'm fine with working, but I'd love to get paid. And then I got hit with the realization that I did not want to wake up at five in the morning to coach team sports. And I didn't want to live off of a teacher's salary and be like, you know, slave to those hours, right? Nine to five works for a lot of people. Or in that case, it would have been like a 6 a.m. to 4 p.m. or whatever. Uh, but I was like, that's not it for me. So to answer your question, I started off thinking I wanted to do some form of team coaching. And then in my last semester, I was like, nah, like personal training is like definitely where it's at. I want the one-on-one like face-to-face time. Um, I want to build my own schedule, uh, quote people my own rates, stuff like that. And then reality hit when I graduated because we're in the middle of COVID. And so all the gyms were shut down, right? I was like the first graduating class, didn't walk the stage, super rough. My parents are pretty bummed. Um, But like I sat in my, I remember sitting at my computer and there was a live stream as they put all our names up on the board at Reed Arena and like in the live stream I like stopped it and like took a picture of the the board and then like sent it to my parents and my grandparents and everybody I was like look at that that's me <laughs> walking the stage and graduating that's um, cool but yeah and so I graduated with a degree in an industry where everything was shut down right like BVB was closed couldn't train there um, like literally every gym is just closed and then I think three weeks went by just huge amounts of stress because my parents were like hey we'll pay your rent for the first four years of college and then i ended up having to take a victory lap and they're like okay we have the funds we can help you out and then i was like dude i need to pay my own rent like pretty soon right i don't have a job three weeks later they give the the open order for gyms like you can open but you have to have like masking gloves and i was like yes hallelujah (laughs) we made it like we survived the three weeks my parents gonna pay this month's rent we can land a job and i just like as soon as that went out and they're like gyms are opening on arbitrary number like may 29th something like that and so the week before i sent out emails to like every gym and college station i was like hey this is who i am here's my resume um i can't go into your place to like talk face to face because obviously everything's closed like what should i do to get through the hiring process and like i think 10 gyms i sent out my info to and three of them got back to me and the first one was innovative fitness and he was in desperate need of a coach because um, he had been, done, been doing like outdoor boot camp style classes through the shutdown. He was about to have a whole bunch of people come back. Um, so anyway, he was like, yeah, let's meet tomorrow. And so I met with him. The meeting went really, really well. He offered me the job. And so I started working like that next week right as the gyms opened. 
And so that, that was like my start into my professional career was three weeks of, oh shit, everything's closed. I'm not going to make any money. <laughs> I needed to like pick up a full-time job at McDonald's or something, work at the lanes around, around the corner um, to, okay, nice. I'm a personal trainer, group class, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was, it was a little bit of a bumpy ride. It <laughs> was a hell of a bumpy ride. At what point yeah. did you get your certification to start training? So turns out nobody cares about you having a certification if you have a four-year degree. Really? Um, yeah. Every gym that I talked to, they were like, what kind of certification do you have? I was like, well, like if you look at my resume, I have a four-year degree. I've been training like myself for this long and like everybody was cool with it. Um, cool. Yeah. That was something I was worried about. I was like, I'm gonna have to chill out the however many hundred dollars to take a CSCS or something like that. Um, but yeah, nobody cares if you have a four-year degree. They're like, all right, come train. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't care about the certification, but I always felt like other people did. And so yeah. I, I was around people who had, and even the curing it, it was like, oh, you have a NASM, you have a CSCS, you have a ACE, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Right. Right. Um, I knew one guy had 22 certifications and I was like, damn, like that's crazy. What the heck? And then yeah. now I'm li- like, I, I remember like being in the moment, I was like, but they're all the same kind of book. Yeah. Like it's all the same kind of yeah. shit. Like you, they all have the person and athletic clothes, squatting or deadlifting on the front. It's always like principles of strength training, yep. compound lifts for beginners, something like that. And then like they'll brand it their own way based on the certification. Right? And um, so I just, at the time I was like, okay, I know that this one's an easy certification. I'm more than well trained to train people. Right. I have the four-year degree, which I feel like I learned less out of the four-year degree and more of like personal, like seeking out knowledge myself. Was, like yeah. I'm going to get on T Nation. I'm going to find different books, different mm-hmm. resources, YouTube, other people and like gather all this data and then like apply it to my own life, my own success and powerlifting. Mm-hmm. And then, oh shit, I can just tell somebody else how to do this. And, right. and like, exactly. then they see a lot of progress and it's like, I enjoy seeing them make progress. Why do I need this other little, little stamp to say, mm-hmm. boom, I'm exactly. good to go. I always thought it was a liability thing, mm-hmm. but I think, I think for a lot of gyms, they do see it as a liability thing, but I think we're just to the point where gym owners are part of like the newer generation, like the, the post 1980 generation, right? Where it's like, they understand that, yeah, if you do enough of it on your own, every certification is pretty much the same. And it's like you said, right? It's a stamp. It's a stamp of somebody else saying this person paid me money to tell them that they know what they, that they know what they know. Right. And so like I did the same thing where it's like, I went on T nation like really early on. And then, uh, Reddit was a huge like really? source of information. Yeah, I went on like r slash powerlifting, r slash bodybuilding. Um, I think there's a functional training one as well. And uh, but yeah, so long and short of it, of my opinion on certs is it's good if the clientele or the person you're trying to work, the person you're trying to work with or for cares about the extra letters behind your name and having the the nationally accredited accredited this person knows what they're doing stamp um but at the end of the day it's like it's all the same stuff so if you're a competent like lifter and you've been doing it long enough it's kind of just like rinse and repeat right um so that all being said i do plan on getting my cscs at some point just so i can have that uh credit to my name as well um because eventually like i do want to move outside of college station in a few years and like get back to like one of the main cities and if i have that that just makes me that much more hireable um at that point i'll also have what four years at least built up of personal training experience so that will probably actually carry more weight than the actual certification um but yeah so certifications are are weird for sure i think that you know you said 
that they're all one and the same. And if, and if you're a competent athlete, then it's kind of tomato, tomato mm-hmm. and it's rinse and, re- rinse and repeat, I guess is the actual thing that you said. But, mm-hmm. and I think that there is some value to that. And then I think about it, it's like, well, there's some books out there that really are little different, right? Like, yeah. um, I, I, so I got my master's with the doctor, uh, Mike stone. And part of it was, man, I'm paying a fucking lot of money for this. I don't know if it was really worth it. Yeah. And so I go back, back and forth. I think what they offer is the ability to understand and read information. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, is this good information or is this bad information? And I think that there are some certifications or some places that you can learn, like I'm sure bodybuilder.com or um, uh, Reddit bot- bodybuilding, uh, all those subreddits, mm-hmm. um, or even bodybuilder.com because I, I was there at one point as well. But like, <laughs> they're like um, velocity based training. That's something that I think not necessarily a, a just a, a competent lifter would necessarily be able to use. But like, if you can understand the physiology, understand how the brain works with the, your tissue, and then be able to apply that on a higher scale with more athletes on a higher tier of athletes. And it has a lot of value, but the issue is that if you're not wanting to train Olympic level athletes, and then even, ha- even if you do want to be having the opportunity to train those Olympic level athletes, right. yeah. then that is almost kind of not really useful. It's mm-hmm. like, you can have all this background all this knowledge, but if you're training the general population, then you really just need to know some good biomechanics, understand a, a linear progression, overload, the, De, um, deload weeks and understand the point of them and you can pretty much train any general population individual right exactly yeah um, uh, kind of like an offshoot of that is like you're talking about like good information bad information I think another big like upside to, to getting the certification is you're getting good information that somebody else has taken their time and energy to compile for you right so like say I wanted to learn like Olympic lifting right it's a very technical sport lots of different things going on literally millions of cues that you can give somebody to perfect their technique if i were to do that solely on my own like combing through youtube videos forums all that kind of stuff i could become like world-class olympic lifter it would take forever and a lot of dedication a lot of time and a lot of energy versus like if i went to coach that kind of athlete i could turn to usaw like united states with weightlifting and they've already taken like all right there's all this information in the the uh what is it the ether zeit, the zeit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. all this information floating through the ether like the the zeitgeist of olympic weightlifting and then they've like funneled it down to like all right these are the five things that you absolutely need to know and then so you're not paying for somebody necessarily to give you that stamp only some certifications are worth it because you're paying for somebody else to do that compilation of information for you and so now instead of taking the next five years to perfect my technique and then be able to um explain and like uh give that ability to others i can do it in like you know three six nine weeks um so just make sure i'm not trashing on certifications too hard they do have their value for sure yeah you know and i I think that's how this that's how the conversation started but Mm -hmm. there is there are pros to it and we knocked it pretty hard to start off with but (laughs) i feel like i still stand by those knocks yeah i just i think there are also these pros that exist as well and Mm -hmm. like as i think social media grows you said something earlier about the Jim being like new age type of individuals. And I think that that goes beyond just the way we um, perceive certifications and things, but like and, and education. But I feel like most of the people that are in the gym, I feel like are of higher standard. And then that's kind of just a random comment, but um Oh man, last train of thought. That's fine. We'll come back. <laughs> I forgot it. No, hold on. It was there. <clears throat> um, There's a new age of, of like gym ownership and gym crowd, right? 
and past the past like the west side try hard die hard mentality which is a terrible mentality um <laughs> and so and and so this um as we we grow in this new age of social media mm-hmm. i feel like it's more important to have people like uh, there's a lot of people online that are making a lot of programs for a lot of people mm-hmm. and not all these people really know what they're doing and i think it can right. set people up for some really bad damage not just like neuromuscular damage and then like right. just it's not it's not okay and, and so the, we, there are these opportunities that, that having that stamp does make a difference especially in a day where it seems like everybody is a fitness professional online yeah. and it's like i can just start creating programs because I did it for three months and I can have a fat ass and I can start posting about it and I make a lot of money, (laughs) a lot of money. It's crazy. And maybe there's a, to a degree that they, they they know what they're doing, but I don't necessarily think that they have the, the full level of knowledge needed for all Mm -hmm. clients at that. And if they have big platforms and they're training a lot of people, which maybe they, they learn very quickly because they have all, they have all this new data, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I don't know if that's the right way to go about it. I think having the stamp is a better way to go about it rather than yeah. learning by by experiments like just people, you know? Like right. That's, not, that's yeah. not fair. It does help with like uh, the general population selecting the trainer too, right? If you're faced with two different potential trainers, one of them has a cert, one of them has just personal experience. For the general population to make an informed decision, they should go with one as a cert, right? However, the other person could have more knowledge just based on their own experiences. Um, so it's so hard to choose. Like, where, yeah. like yeah, how do you win? Right. And I, I, I love the the setup at the gym that I work at now um, because we give away those uh, like three sessions just for free. It's like the What's the phone number again? See, <laughs> I actually don't know off the top of my head. Nice to like that. But yeah, so like the person can come in and feel out like the vibe of the gym. They get one-on-one time with the trainer, right? And so they can make an informed decision at the end of the sessions versus a lot of the time people walk into a gym put down money and then just get assigned to a trainer right away right and so those people don't have the chance to see the trainer in action and like see how much they actually know um and then the go ahead how do y'all match trainers with clients that come in like those that random person like there's still some sort of matching system or are there three different sessions with three different trainers um it's three sessions with one trainer but what we do is the system like loosely is the person comes in the front desk gives them a tour they fill out information and in that information that they fill out, they fill out a client profile and they talk in that profile about like what specific goals they have. So a lot of people's general population, oh, I want to get lean, right? Or I want to get toned. Lose weight. What you see. Yeah. yeah, lose weight. But there's some people that come in where it's like, I'm a high school baseball athlete, right? And so our head trainer gets that paperwork, looks at it and is like, well, we have a trainer on staff that played baseball and actively coaches baseball camps. So they'll go with them, right? Or, oh, this person, like, can't walk in a straight line, has hip, low back pain on just one side, some stuff, some sort of stuff like that. And they're like, we'll put them with Mike because Mike's all about functional, right? Um, getting people out of pain and into good movement, right? Um, then we have other trainers that specialize in bodybuilding. So if we get, you know, 26-year-old dude that's, like, skinny fat, right? Skinny. Not a whole lot of muscle mass, but also not overweight and just wants to get jacked. It's like, oh, well, we have a guy that is really good at bodybuilding programming. We'll put him 
with them, right? And then those three sessions are just a way for that person to see what it would be like working with a trainer and that trainer specifically um, before they have to slap down hundreds of dollars for a program, right? Um, tying this back into what you said before about like online stuff, you don't get that online. When people do online training, a lot of the times the, the hype right now is like online training, you get templates, right? You pay for their 16-week booty builder, something like that, right? <laughs> and so it's like it's a double-edged sword like the age that we're in where it's like you have a, a, a surplus of information. Anybody can learn how to be a good trainer. But now you also have to deal with the bell curve of population and intelligence when it comes to training, right? You have a whole bunch of trainers that are good trainers, but you also have a whole bunch of trainers that are bad that have a certification because they've memorized the material and then they turned around, built templates, and they may not actually understand how to shift their training for the individual. They have a great template where if you throw it at 100 people, like 90% of them are going to do well, but there's always that 10% on the end, right? Where it's like, it just doesn't fit what they need but they don't know that right the trainer may know that or they may not they just got the random cert and walked out um but like because of the surplus of information if you don't actually practice it yourself it's really hard to weed out all the bs from all the rest of the stuff right um so i i would agree with it's like we have a an over overly saturated market of trainers that actually probably don't know what they're doing. They're just throwing together templates and then making bucks off of it because of their physique or something like that, right? Just and then, doing the online training round. I would assume that just like with like supplements, you can you can do uh, white label supplements. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can I can say that I have this company and I'm buying I'm creating my own supplement line. I just buy it from this other company. It's white labeling, right? Yeah. yeah. I would uh-huh. I would assume people do that out there as well in the same concept in training. It's like oh I can buy a couple different templates over here mm-hmm. and then just just steal them, put right. my name on it. And then now, oops, now I have a training platform. And exactly. Yeah. Like, damn. Reformat it a little bit, change the colors. And then like, <laughs> oh, I'm not a big fan of the bench press. So I'll put it in dumbbell press. <laughs> That's it, right? <laughs> Those small changes that make it seem like it's original, like they know what they're mm-hmm. doing, but ultimately they don't. And right. then it, it, what if, and what if they grow? They, they have this, this insane influence on so many lives that... <laughs> I don't know that they necessarily have earned the rights to. And, and I say that, and I feel like that's a weird thing to say. And bless you. Um, Give us another one. Right? Uh, I'm not sure if that's the right way to go about it. But at the, at the end, of the, what is the right way to go about it? I mean, in, in the society where we have so many people who aren't moving the way they should, mm-hmm. I think that even those people who maybe aren't the most qualified if they can get a couple of people who weren't lifting initially and they buy this program and now they're like going to the gym three times a week yeah is it in, a, in the grand scheme is that is that a better thing for that person right probably it's yeah, going to make them absolutely. more conscious about what they're eating about it's like those little changes that maybe if you really know what you're doing then you can see and be like this is a maybe a little bit broken here mm-hmm. but if you look, take another step back and look at our society and how we're not moving. Well, fuck. Maybe if I get a hundred people to move, move a little bit, even though I look like look like shit, right. at least they're moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I always tell people, I'm like, literally doing anything is better than nothing, right? So I'm not the biggest fan of CrossFit, but if CrossFit is what gets you to get off your couch, couch, go sweat it out, and move your body around, like so be it. If you end up with achy knees from it, well, if you sat on your couch for the rest of your life, you'd end up with achy needs like 20 years for right? so it's like fuck it and just move right um so yeah and i think that's like kind of like what it all boils down to is like we can complain about people with that are under 
uh, under like developed as a trainer, giving stuff to a whole lot of people in like the general population and it being a bad thing. But at the end of the day, like you're right, right? If that's if that's what gets people moving, then that's probably good in the long run. There's it's so nuanced, it's so complex. I feel like there's all these pros and these cons, and like it's it's nonstop. But it's just if if you want to look at it from the biggest picture, I think possible, and we we do have a problem movement is key and in crossfit i have I have a thing about crossfit i'm yeah. growing to like crossfit so i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah i think that there's i think the way crossfit is taught uh-huh. is very sad yes um but i think crossfit as an idea of a sport is quite nice like mm-hmm. as somebody and who's like adhd as can be okay like i want to do that that and that all right now and be good at them today yeah and for the longest time, I was battling this, like, no, I was in powerlifting. I should do powerlifting. Oh, no, I was – I should start doing weightlifting because that's where it's at. Mm-hmm. It's like I can do both and then add some running. Yeah. Holy shit. I've done, I'm, I'm doing CrossFit already. Yeah. Like, I'm just battling the idea that CrossFit is bad. Exactly. But yeah. I think part of also what we're missing in, in art and in society in America is community. Like, if you travel outside of the States, like, and you go to these different countries. And don't, there's a lot of other countries. I get it. America's amazing. We have our great things. We also have our shitty things. Right. Um, we have roads. That's awesome. If you go to Uganda, I'm not sure that they have that, that same kind of niceness, right? Those right. niceties. <laughs> so, there's value. I get it. But one of the things that I'm frustrated about is like the sense of community, the thing that we can change is we can be around more people and create relationships and then long lasting relationships, not just a relationship that's going to die off. Something that you're trying to use somebody for something. It's like, can we sit down and have a conversation and get to know who we are? And then wish the best for each other and then continue that relationship because if you look at blue zones that's one of the biggest things that they have it's the diet they're the more mediterranean style diet mm-hmm. but they also have an amazing sense of community right. and and that like having i forgot there's one like you're, you're paired with friends at the at your birth and like you're going throughout your entire life and these are your best friends mm-hmm. and i feel like we don't we have the exact opposite where it's like oh this person said something mean to me on to the next person right it's like god damn like talk it out have to like figure it out a little bit you know yeah exactly. um, so i think that crossfit does bring value in a couple different respects and again ultimately if it movement's movement mm-hmm. um but i think that if people taught it better if we had more well-trained coaches teaching that thing and then um it's just having the ability to people to get together i think that there's a lot of value to it not to say that i, I don't know I, I assume your perception of why it's not good is because of the way it's taught it's like mm-hmm. how people are just moving as fast as you can and just doesn't matter how it looks doesn't matter any biomechanics everything goes out the window right just yeah. get it done and it's like no that's not the way it's supposed to be done like <laughs> you can move fast and do perform it well right mm-hmm. and i think in competition you have a drop off of that of those um of technique, but I think that that's in any sport. It's, you're going to have a deterioration of technique when you're trying to lift mm-hmm. 700 pounds for a PR, right? Or, yeah. or 500 pounds, whatever that, that PR is. You're going to have a degradation of a form of technique. Mm-hmm. Um, but in practice, it should be pretty, mm-hmm. right? And we have the ability to control it. But I assume that's your, that's, that's the frustration because I feel like that's most people's right. frustration. Yeah. And now that I've like worked at a, a number of gyms and like just like talk to more and more trainers, um, I think I think you hit it on the head where it's like CrossFit in and of, in and of itself isn't bad. However, 
there are people that teach it in a way where it's like, ah, maybe this isn't super like good for your joints, right? Um, my take on it is I think that the explosion of competitive CrossFit was actually not a good thing for the CrossFit as a whole. Because now you have these really top tier athletes just fucking going hard, like absolute machines, right? Obviously, they're going to deal with aches and pains because they're living on a, a competitive performance level, right? But now, because everybody wants to be like that, I've personally seen people that go and get their like CrossFit level one certification, CrossFit level two, level three, I forget how many levels there are. Um, and like I've met those people personally that have the certification and then I've seen them work out. I've seen them work with clients and I'm like, dude, like you have the cert, but like what is going on with your programming? <laughs> that does not make sense. And I remember there was one lady in, gen- in, in particular that like had her CrossFit level one and like she has the stamp where it's like I can teach people CrossFit for for this like amount of stuff, right? I'm, I'm certified to teach this this content and then had to come to me and ask me for help with that exact same content and i'm like whoa like you're supposed to be the expert here you have the certification why am i teaching you how to snatch right i have not done any competitive weightlifting not no crossfit single crossfit class at all like literally my weightlifting is going into bvb and then going up to phil and being like hey phil i'm about to clean and jerk this bar can you tell me what i'm bad at right and he told me and then I, he like gave me like two drills he was like focus on this and this and i was like cool i hammered away for like two months and all of a sudden my clean went from like uh, an RDL plus like a hip jerk to like an actual clean, right? And um, so anyway, getting back to it, it's like CrossFit exploded, got super popular. Everybody wanted to do it. And now there's a demand for coaches that know how to do it as well. And then I think the bar is just really, really low for that coaching uh, prowess, right? It's like you're getting a whole bunch of coaches being pumped out of this program that don't necessarily know how to adapt that excessive amount of exercise to a general population. Um, But the essence of CrossFit, moving fast, moving lots, moving heavyweight, moving lightweight, jumping, running, swimming, biking, whatever it may be, rowing, elliptical, whatever like you sub in for your cardio component like i think it's just good in general um i I would say that like workouts that you do and like some of the ones i do are more crossfitty than a lot of crossfit that comes out right because you get like the gimmicky workouts where it's like why are we doing burpee box or burpee wall jump overs right or you double up the box height you do a burpee and then get over the entire wall it's like is that crossfit or is crossfit the setting something into a circuit some with lightweight some with not some with body weight that kind of stuff um it becomes yeah. like a, a show it becomes like this yeah. this performance it becomes a performance exactly yeah yeah okay oh, hey, <laughs> everybody wants like oh it's the all eyes on me i'm doing this thing because some dude rich froning made this really cool like workout and i'm gonna do it for time right and it's like is that what we care about? We care about like, <laughs> moving well and being healthy, right? That's a good um, point. I want to teach their own. We, it goes back to what we said before, where it's like at the end of the day, it's getting people moving. It's getting people off the couch. And so there's only a net positive from it. I just happen to have a big issue with the certification process that takes place getting people into that coaching position because I've seen it go south and I've worked with the people that, that were like, oh, I blew up my shoulder. I was like, what, do you, what were you doing? And it's like the Crossfit. answer is like, oh, I was doing statues. Oh, really? Like, 
your snatch technique looks pretty good. Like what, what specifically? And then they'll describe some ladder where it's like 40, 20, 10 snatch box jump, 200 meter run. And I'm like, oh, so you did 20 snatches unbroken after running a total of 600 meters. Yeah. Okay. I'm not super surprised now, right? And it's just like, ah, whatever, dude. Like to each their own, but. Um, like should you have yeah. the general population really be moving like doing a murph mm-hmm. right like I, I think doing a murph actually i'm, I'm kind of down to murph i've done it a couple of times now i've I'm, done I'm, it I'm kind of okay with that <laughs> I, so, so have i but yeah. so i guess that maybe not the best example but i don't, I, I don't know the other names of others uh-huh. um so i'm going to use murph as an example yeah but let's let okay so maybe that your your example is a better example the 40 snatches the yeah. 200 clean and uh, whatever that was right. um that that if it's in a competition does it mean that we need to grab that and then now apply it mm-hmm. to your home gym yeah probably not because Correct. you're looking at exercises that the professionals who live and breathe this lifestyle mm-hmm. who also have the genetics and possibly some peds mm-hmm. like they're performing that thing and now we're gonna apply it to joe blow who's been working out for two years exactly come on like <laughs> let's think about this a little bit probably yeah. not the best best scenario here and it's it's education and i think education is is a beautiful thing but also in now it's a kind of a it's a little bit of a scary thing it kind of frustrates me a little bit i think making so much money off of education frustrates me but at the same time it's like it is intellectual property i get it but at the same time who really knows anything mm-hmm. right? right so like yeah we can have these idea like you're going to sell this um uh, rp nutrition came out recently and they had they signed a contract i think with usa powerlifting so now they're huge and yeah. like a lot of the things that they're offering are going to be valuable but if R- we look at rp's renaissance periodization right yes i think okay. so yeah um and so they're they're let's say you go 30 years back from what we know about uh, uh, biochem then versus now mm-hmm. it's a big difference and so like you're you're making money off of an education that i don't necessarily know is always the most honest Mm -hmm. and i think that's like crossfit level one level two level three they know that they can charge however much a certification is because there is a need for these coaches these people are going to be paying more money they're paying into that system then these people at the very top or who are who earn their spots to get there are now reaping that reward of the person at the bottom who's like I'll pay $200 and get a certification. I don't know what I'm doing. But it's like, like, come on, dude. And then they do it for a year and then they're out. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's inevitable. It depends on the sports, right? And currently we have CrossFit as the example. But it really did, I feel like, blew up extremely quickly. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Everybody is certified. Everybody knows CrossFit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think, like, they did a good job, like, promoting, like, the CrossFit games too, right? And uh, A wonderful job. I I think it was Reebok initially. Mm-hmm. Who owned it, or like was the main sponsor, or whatever that I think was? Reebok, yeah, uh, I can then, see like their triangle insignia on like the CrossFit Games. They have stuff. that shoe, the the Nanos, and then now yeah. mm-hmm. it's Noble, which I think I think looking back, I think from what I know about Reebok buying that, they took like an insane loan. Like if it didn't work out, they're they're gonna go under entirely. Uh-huh. But I, for whatever reason, they decided to take these several million dollars of a loan. They ended up doing the thing, and then fucking made kajillions of dollars right. and then bailed and I want to know why they bailed I don't know why they bailed mm-hmm. um, I'm super curious as well yeah because like Noble was like just some random shoe company at some point right versus Reebok is like athletic like titan right like how, how would like they that, lose money on something like CrossFit right like so, I, I feel like somebody rubbed the wrong feathers the wrong way or Reebok was like 
over committing. Like you said, like if it goes under, like that's it, right? And so like one of the officials is like, oh, we, we got to pull out of this because we're not so sure. There was um, the guy who was murdered, uh, Floyd, what was his name? It was like a big thing when it came to like police brutality. Yes, I know um, what you're talking about. And um, then the, the head of CrossFit, one of the creators, I think it was, put something on Twitter that was like not very politically correct at all and got fucking canceled. Like, like to the point where they just booted him out of CrossFit entirely. I feel like that might have been like part of like that switch over, right? Where Reebok was like, whoa, we need to wash our hands of this really quick. (laughs) That was not cool, man, right? And he was like the face of CrossFit. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Somebody in the comments or something like that will know. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, somebody will. Somebody will mention it. To right. Yeah. And it's like I remember seeing that controversy come across, and I was like, "Yo, like that is not like regardless of your political beliefs and like what you think about society as a whole. Like you probably don't want to post that and just as like a business owner, right? That was just not a smart move. Just don't. Just don't talk about it. Yeah, you, you, can, you can think it all you want, but yeah, what, no. like you, like you, this is cancel culture. Right. You have right yeah. Come on, dude. Like and think of like, it. You know? Yeah, it's like I, I, I'm one of the people that just didn't agree with the guy in the first place. But like, even if I did, like, I would still be on the side of like, do protect your business. Like, what are you doing? Um, but yeah, so I think that was part of the impetus for for Reebok handing over to Noble. Um, and now it's like what Noble and Rogue are the, the yeah. two main ones, which so. a massive company Rogue is, and also blew up. I'm gonna come oh, back a little sure. bit. So Absolutely. you were at uh, you're, you you you're currently at Merit House, and mm-hmm. so Innovative was the initial the one who initially took you. Mm-hmm. And how did you get from Innovative over to Merit House? Like, what, what was that connection? Um, so yeah, I started at Innovative like right after I graduated. Um, like gyms opened, and I had a job. And I wasn't making a whole lot of money. And my position was, I think it was like called shift trainer. And so like I would work at shift and on that shift, I was like manning the front desk, doing social media stuff. And then I would have my clients whenever they came in. Huge amount of responsibility. Yeah. Half of two thirds of it, stuff that I didn't want to actually do. Right. And I was like, I don't have a degree in like communications or anything. Like I don't want to have my hands in your social media. And uh, I made that very known like after like two weeks of doing it. I was like, hey, this is not it. Like, <laughs> you can pay me less if you need to, but like you've got to hire somebody else to do this stuff. Um, but anyway, I didn't have a choice at that point because I was like, I got to eat and I got to pay rent. So I'll keep taking on clients. Um, and so the connection for Merit House Fitness, I, I was over at my friend Thomas's place. He lived right next to the gym at the time. And we went to Lane's to grab food and we were walking back. And his old Colt, uh, coworker, Colt, walks out and he's like, holy shit, Thomas, what's up? And so they talk for a second and then like it's, it, it's Merit House Fitness Boutique Club. So it's not technically a gym. It is a gym. Um, but on the like face level, like you look at it and it's like, that's not a gym. Like a boutique club is like, it's got to do something to do with like flowers or clothes or like bougie stuff. Right. And then Colt walks in. He's like, oh yeah, we're a gym. You want to come check it out? So we walk in, do that. We're in our final year of college. So Thomas actually starts working front desk there, just like customer service rep. Um, and then starts taking on clients like a couple of weeks before we graduate. I go to Innovative and then fast forward like six months, 
I'm stressed like to the freaking gills. Like I am not having a good time, totally second guessing like what I wanted to do with my degree. I'm like, man, maybe personal training isn't for me. And uh, so I'm talking with Thomas and he's like, dude, you need to come check out Innovative because like I'm not Innovative. Uh, you need to come Mare check House. out Mirror House because like I've started taking on clients. It's a fantastic like atmosphere. All of that bullshit that you're dealing with is not part of the job description. Like you literally just train people like it's exactly what it sounds like. Right. Um, and I was like, ah, yeah, like I don't want to quit my job and then have to like rebuild a book of clients. I have like eight to 10 clients that I'm working with. I really like them. So I toughed it out for, I don't know. I'm really stressing my brain right now. What was that timeline actually like? So I graduated 2020. If I started working Merit House, September, 2021. So yeah, a little bit more than a year. So six months in, I was like, maybe this isn't it. He told me about Merit House. I was like, ah, well, we'll see what happens. Um, renegotiated my pay my pay scale with my boss at Innovative. That went really really well. Part of the reason is he didn't have a choice. He had to kind of meet my demands or find a trainer for like eight clients plus. At that point in time, I was doing all the group classes too. You did all of them? Uh, almost. I think there were two classes I didn't coach. Damn. Dude. Um, yeah. So I was doing like the the evening class. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, fr- or sorry, no, Monday through Friday, so five days of the week, and then two days of the week I was coaching the noon class, and then the owner would take the four thirty a.m. and the five thirty a.m. because he was a morning person. And I was like, I, I'm not there. Um, so anyway, I was like, ah, I don't want to take a like a pay hit, right? I don't want to rebuild a book of clients. And it got to the point where I was like this close to like just like saying fuck it, like I'll get a job somewhere nine to five, like flip burgers for a little bit and figure out my life. And uh, Thomas is like, dude, put in an application at our house right now because our boss is literally just talking about like he's about to have an influx of like forty new people coming in for their fit start sessions, and we don't have enough trainers trainers to cover it because Trisha just left. Um, and I was like, okay, we'll see what happens. I meet with David, the owner of Merit House, and like it was like an instant click. I was like, all right, this is it for sure. And I told him like my worries. I was like, hey, like I don't want it to look like I'm poaching members, but there are some members from Innovative that I think would love this atmosphere. And he was like, we'll cut them deals on their training to get them to follow you over. If you're a really good trainer, they'll probably follow you anyways. Um, and uh, gave me a job offer and it was like literally double what I was making at, at the previous gym. And I was like, dude, like this is just the universe telling me like, this is the move. Yeah. Seriously. I was like, my best friends t- been telling me for a while, like this is something you need to do. The boss has an opening for me is willing to match the pay that I need to live the way I want to live. Um, and is like going to give like a kickback for clients that follow me over. Um, and so I, I pulled the trigger on it. I turned in my two weeks. I went into the office. I was like, Trevor, this is going to hurt like a son of a bitch, but I have to give this to you. This is my two week notice. And he tried his hardest to like convince me out of it. I was like, I'm sorry. Like, I really don't want to have this conversation in the first place. <laughs> like, I've made up my mind. I've talked to my family. Like I've looked at the numbers and like, this is just the move for me. Right. Um, he was really cool about it. He was like, Hey, if it ever like does stops working out, like you're more than welcome to come back. You're a great trainer. Yada, yada. Um, so then that was, that was it. I stopped training at innovative went over to merit house. Um, I had two of my clients or one of my clients wanted to follow me over, but just couldn't afford training in general. Cause she was going to a different phase of her life with her sons and everything. And then another client, like two weeks before I put in my two weeks notice had paid three months up front for her training. And she was like, Mike, why didn't you tell me? And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like this is just the inkling of a thought. And like I didn't actually put my foot down until however many days ago. She's like, oh, it's totally fine. 
Um, so anyway, she's since then come over and has been training with me for four months now. Nice. Five months. She took some time off because she had a child in December. Um, but yeah. And so that, that's pretty much that. That's pretty um, cool. I don't want to delve too deep into like uh, ex- the exact reasons why I left because yeah. I don't want to throw dirt on anybody's For name. sure. I worked there as well, right? Oh, it, you did? Yeah. Oh. I, I thought you knew that. No, I did not. Yeah. I knew um, Michael Altener worked there. Uh-huh. He was also a kinesiology guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, so you know the vibe. <laughs> all right. All right. We're on the same page. <laughs> For sure. Oh, yeah, my I, gosh. That's hilarious. You yeah. let me talk that long without saying anything? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I thought gosh. you had known, to be honest no, with you. No, no, no. I, I, no. I knew that you did some on and off training at Barbell, and I think you trained some stuff with Bree as well. But I thought that was it. I thought the rest of it was at Miramont. Yeah. No. I, I, so, I started off at... Oh, my God. Wait. Hold on. Yes. I did know that because I saw you training just there. Yeah. There was a day where she was doing rower intervals, and I was like, oh, my God. That girl's going to die. And you're like, <laughs> you got this. And I was like... <laughs> Great guy. <laughs> Cheer <laughs> okay, Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, it's all coming back now. Yeah, yeah. so... Okay. Um, yeah, go ahead. And so, I remember being there and, and understand why you don't... Can you bring back a beer, please? Can you bring back a beer, please? Please. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, so, wait. So, how long did you train there? there? You trained there for? I trained there from... So it was right after I had left. I was doing sales for a roofing company. Okay. And it was door-to-door sales. Mm-hmm. And But if you sold the job, then it was a great payout. Yeah. Like Lots of commission? Lots of commission. Anywhere from 40 to 50% commission on wow. every house. Yeah. And so his mentality... And he was a super good guy for the most part. Um, he was willing to go up to 50%. He's like, I'm willing to share it with you. You're doing the work. I'm just sitting back. Right. I'm going to sell my own shit over here. I don't have a team of people who are all make willing or able to make whatever they can make. And if they're able to grind enough and they'll make a lot of money. Right. Um, but it's having to deal with that fucking, those terrible hours, knocking on people's doors, doing the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then if you're in Dallas, which I, that's, I moved to Dallas for several months and then mm-hmm. I came back to work in the college station neighborhood or call station market. But the Dallas market was so big because they had just had a huge hailstorm okay. that just demolished these like in like these roofs that were not supposed to be yeah. demolished at all. Like they're like with stands up to time sized, quarter sized hail got right. wrecked. Yeah. It's and like, well what about softball? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. They were okay. huge. Broken windows. It was like the most insane. I've n- I never no hail could get that insane. Yeah. So either way. Um I spent several months there and I had two jobs that ended up selling and I, it got kind of pulled under the rug for me. The guys called the guys that we had a house up there. They, mm-hmm. they called the owner and was like, he just wants help whenever he wants help. And it's just too much. And so he was like, man, I'm going to send you back to, to college station, mm-hmm. sold those two. They kept all the commission, oh. $12,000 per job. Oh my God. Dude, was, that's a huge amount of cash. That's a lot of cash. Yeah. That's a lot of cash. Oh, um, no. So then I came back to call station, continued to work here, sold a couple jobs and it was enough to keep things moving along. I would pay my whatever I needed to. And then at the time, my girlfriend helped me out a lot, which is, I, I super am thankful for that. Otherwise I don't know if you know, my parents and all the, there was a lot of support around. Right. Um, and then 
I was like, I don't, I'm, I don't want to fucking sell roofs. What am I doing? You know, like yeah. I got a degree. I can, can I use this thing. Right. So then found a, started going to church with that girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys that they knew in like the group classes said that he rented a space from the owner of Innovative and he would do his office work out of there. Mm-hmm. Like, cool. Like, you can come by, hit a workout with me, and then we can show you what I do. Yeah. Awesome. Stop by. And I told, I started talking with uh, Trevor. We worked out at the same time. He's like, I'm looking for a job. Yeah. Like, he's like, I'm looking for trainers. Nice. He's like, cool. I'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. <laughs> and the, the interview was supposed to be at six o'clock. Mm-hmm. He was AM, PM? PM. Okay. He, he had left by 5 30. Oh. I was like, this is the way we're starting off. And, and yeah. maybe, maybe too much into the details there a little bit, but it's, it, it, it continued to be um, that same kind of theme. So I started off there and trained for, I can answer your question finally, um, August till probably like February. Mm-hmm. It was so I guess four, five, six, six months. Yeah. Um, and then I forgot. I I kept on applying. I was like, this isn't it. I knew it within the first couple of weeks. I was like, this is not yeah. the thing. Right. Um. So I continued to look for jobs, and then the one from your mom popped up, okay. and I had applied to ninety two different jobs on Indeed before I had gotten finally to Miramont, and I applied. Wow. And he was like, yeah, you worked with my trainer or my, my wife at mm-hmm. um at the Golds when you trained at Golds. Mm-hmm. I know who you are. I know you're a good guy. You want to come by? I was like, done. So then three interviews later, I got the job. And then I just stuck around there. I was like, I'm done. And what's kind of frustrated me a little bit was I had the same kind of conversation. Like, I have a client. I have one client that I would like to bring with me over here. And he's like, yeah, sounds good, man. For sure. And then I got the job, got hired, got, got carried on. And then he was like, actually, never mind. Never mind. Yeah. Oh. Man. And so she had already she had paid me in advance for several. Thank you, ma'am. Um, for several months worth of training, and I was like, "That's oh really unfortunate." I'm sorry. And so yeah. I continued to train her um, at Innovative for a little bit, and that's that, that's kind of what happened there. But it was it was kind of sad. Um, but then I started started Miramont, and I stayed there for quite for about. Almost two years, or a little bit more than two years, mm-hmm. and then I found the sale. I was looking for more income. It was also during COVID. I was like, "This is an yeah. awesome opportunity." And then COVID slapped around, and then all of us got shut down. And I was like, "This fucking blows, man!" <laughs> um, and I, they hired me on as a maintenance guy because the owner of of the club is super conservative. Was not about anybody like being a closely remote to the club, mm-hmm. and so I ended up working on his property and doing. Uh, power washing for the next three months and that was probably like one of the toughest times of my life it was it just not not it was hot for one and that hot is hot but i was struggling with my own addictions at the time Mm -hmm. and then going through a breakup and then i'll do it too (laughs) yeah and uh being outside everybody else that was in the fitness department worked inside the club for the next several months right they did office work push papers whatever i was the only one that went out to the out to the guy's land to just power wash every day they didn't give me a truck so i had to carry this trailer that had like this huge power wash power washer on it I'd take it up and down this cul-de-sac and inside the development there's three different cul-de-sacs one house thirty-six thousand square foot oh, so yeah. do the house all the streets and just there every single day and i absolutely just 
hated my oh life. My gosh. It was, I was like, why am I the one who's like, I have a degree, I have experience. Like there's one other lady there who worked there. She's lovely. I love her. <laughs> She's an amazing individual. It's like, but I have, like, I'm educated. Like, why am I the one that's out here? And then they started not even showing up to the club anymore. Yeah. And just picking up a paycheck. I was like, man, I'm doing all this work for this, this for nothing. Like yeah. what's happening right now? Um, it's always a rough spot to be into where, where you are degreed as well, right? Like, I paid the money, I did the time, got the grades, got the degree, and, like, I could have done all this shit without that, right? I couldn't be power washing with no debt. Yeah. yeah what are we exactly. doing? <laughs> and the rooms, then they have, like, booty bands and weights, and there's, like, workouts you do, too. I was like, why don't you just work out? Like, why are you working out in 105 degrees, right? It's weird, yeah. Yeah. I, I checked out yeah exactly absolutely yeah i'm good there's yeah <laughs> the laying out in the sun is free too right right Some, yeah. sometimes somewhere long ago somebody decided to make the sun free and so like here we are right yeah but we have a, a tanning salon next door to Jamara House. And, like, I see so many people going in there to, like, spend money on getting tan. I'm like, the sun is literally free. Like, throw 50 bucks at me and, like, I'll make you look a lot better, right? Maybe that's a toxic trait of mine. But, but hey. like, I, I see them walk past and I'm just like, dude, like, ah, oh, man, that, that ain't it. I, tanning is something that I'm, like really against like salon tanning i'm like really against just uh, for a financial decision it being insane. financial decision one yeah you're spending money for something that's free and then two like i have zero science to back up this claim disclaimer <laughs> i feel like it is a very high concentration of uv light in a very small amount of time and i do not see any way that could be good for your skin cells versus when you're outside right depending on your beliefs of how the world came to be. We've had billions of years to get like adequate sunlight and like have our bodies become accustomed to that, but it's way out there, right? Versus in a tanning bed, like you're right there next to it. It's a whole lot of exposure in a very short amount of time again, versus like on an overcast day going outside for a two hour walk, right? It's probably a little bit healthier for your skin in the long run. Um, and then just aesthetically looks fake too is the other thing for me, right? You, you like, can tell yeah. when it's it's done up. Right. You know? Like my clientina is like super tan, but it's like tan that you know came from the sun, right? I know just because I know what her job is, but like you can look at her versus somebody who went to a salon and it's like, it, in my opinion, it's just noticeable. Um, how do we talk about that? Oh, you're talking about, yeah, 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 yeah. Hot Working works. on hot works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sun, yeah. Yep. Sun being a far better option. Mm -hmm. Like you said, the control part, like our body knows how to work with the sun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's like souped up right how do you know we can like digest mm -hmm. that exactly I like the uh, maybe I've never been to a hot works so I understand the concept but I do like hot yoga you know and I, I guess that's similar you know um, in some sort of respect it's not it's not nearly it's not you're not you're not under UV light which is I guess they make mm -hmm. the room they just turn up the heat right versus I think, you being against UV light to create a yeah, change I think a lot of it's uh, infrared light 
which is on the other end of the spectrum from UV, right? UV, ultraviolet, past the, the Roy B. Jiv, the V part of the Roy G. Biv, versus infrared is on the other end, underneath the red rays. Um, so I think there's just a huge difference already there yeah. um, in the way like you go about that kind of exposure. So the one sitting inside of a, a tube mm-hmm. is ultra... Ultraviolet? Violet. If I if I have that correct, like I said, I have zero science to back this up. <laughs> but I'm under the impression that yeah, tanning tanning beds are UV light. Jamie, Jamie, do, do you watch uh, Joe Rogan at all? Oh, I don't. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know so, that reference though. I know that reference though. Jamie, look that up. Pull it up. Having <laughs> <laughs> a young Jamie. Oh, man. Do you, are you gonna be a young Jamie? Yeah. Oh uh, yes. <laughs> I, it would nice to be. It would be nice to have a producer one day. I mean, yeah. We'll see if that actually comes to fruition. Uh-huh. But That'd be cool. I mean, hopefully, as long as this thing stays consistent, I think the only way it can go is up, right? I think that's, realistically. That's yeah, that's uh, that's the way that we approach like our Twitch stream right now. The yeah, tanning beds are UVA with smaller doses of UVB. Okay, gotcha. Um, and then if the ads are to be believed, I think Hotworks just straight up claims that it's infrared light. So there we go. That is a good one to do. Yeah. Debunking people. Uh-huh. Debunking people. Debunking companies that sell these infrared lights. There's like a yeah. lot of size that goes into testing these lights, and not all. Like, um, right. Um, yeah. It's such a new technology, and it's so easy just to copy people and sell people red light and tell them. Right. Yeah. Because really, like, mm-hmm. so. infrared doesn't mean just the color is reddish orange, right? Yeah, it's the actual wavelength. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What are the benefits of? I mean, I've heard of benefits, but it's been so long. What are the benefits of the, the cell regeneration and turnover? Is a big part of it. So there's that, and it also goes into like um, stress management and stuff that can be helpful with that. So it must be messing with some kind of brain chemicals, mm-hmm. uh, calming the nervous system down, being warm. I'm not sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's supposed to be cell turnover is a big part that I got excited about it because I bought one, and I bought it from one of the companies that like don't go like the Jews and stuff like that. All like, like super expensive. Yeah. I kind of bought it from a company that was like a nobody, but actually knew huh? what they were talking about. And yeah. That was Big. That's a key. <laughs> nice. I was in on it early. <laughs> right, you're an infrared hipster. <laughs> right on. <laughs> so, um, what is? What I do is, you want to segue off of that really quick? Yeah, go for it. So we're talking about hippy dippy stuff, right? And you're asking about like what is the actual like benefits of infrared light. So I found like the more I've dug into like the the hippie culture, the functional fitness, the breathing, meditation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically what, what Brie lives and breathes, right? Um, the more I've dug into that, the more it solidified my opinion that it, it just all works if you think it's going to work, right? Oh, yes. The so, effect yeah, yeah, yeah. And like placebo effect is definitely real, right? You can you can throw somebody on sugar pills and call them steroids and they'll gain muscle mass, right? Um, but so there's, there's the flip side to that where it's like there's a lot of stuff online that I feel like is like toxic positivity where it's like practice this or that yoga pose for 
for this, 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 and this reason, right? And I'm like, are you really draining your, your lymph nodes because of that specific pose? Or is going in with a set intention to whatever activity it may be and basking in that flow state in general going to be what lowers your, your stress levels, what increases your, uh, your brain's like neurotransmitter levels and makes you feel happy, right? And so I like genuinely believe that it all boils down to if you believe it's going to work, it's probably going to work. And it's just a lot easier for the general population to have a system of names to put to it. So like if you like build like this is an easy example, build a yoga flow, right? You go through 10 different positions. Did the actual position itself elicit the effect or was it the fact that a professional has a name for it that you're learning from and you have confidence in and, and what they're telling you to do is what elicited that effect, right? Are you buying into the system and then actually setting it, settling into a flow state or is it because you cross your legs a certain way you feel a certain way, right? It's probably more so buying into the flow state and actually like meditating and whatever position it may be. Having the sense of trust in that person and then that this thing is actually going to do something. Exactly. Yeah. So like then there's other stuff that's harder to make that claim to like the infrared lights, right? Like that is a very much like a a physical thing that's happening to your body. And it's like, I can't just imagine that this light over us is infrared hard enough to get those benefits. Like, but, but maybe I can't, maybe maybe if I believe hard enough, right? Like, I don't know. It's got a little bit of a like rose tint to it. Like a little bit of some good stuff, right? Yeah. So, but that's like basically, I don't know, really quick, just my opinion on like all the hippy dippy stuff. Like, I think it all works. I, I am very much a turned into like a show me kind of person, right? Where it's like, uh, like Thomas had me do breath work in a trainer development meeting. And I was like, yeah, like this, this definitely works, right? And we went out to the park and we practiced like the Wim Hof method, right? And it's like, yeah, this works. But like, did the specific seconds of my inhale and exhale elicit the change? Or is it just the fact that I set an intention delved into it, got to the flow state and hung out there for a while. Is that what really did it? That one. Probably. Most likely that one. Finding that, finding that sense of flow. Yeah. Um, I forget there's a, I'm reading a book, um, neither of these called drive. I've I've been reading it for a long time. I'm not very good at finishing books, but I've been reading it for a while, but it talks about finding that sense of flow state and how that is ultimately what ends up leading towards success rather than all these little other things. Yeah. And trying to find flow is, can, can be difficult and there's, there's trust involved. And, but I feel like most of the things, that we that we do have and I think I liken it to like manifestation and I, I believe that I'm going to manifest this mm-hmm. life like I, I met this guy I've always wanted to go back home and I'm going to say it again um, go back home and there's I want to develop a piece of land the Rotel originated back down home mm-hmm. uh, the original Rotel factory okay and so if you Rotel Velveeta you know that thing yeah. Um, yeah. so it, it sits in, our, in the middle of our hometown and I would like to go back one day and demolish the, the building because it just sits there mm-hmm. and then and do like create a health and fitness center where I have a nonprofit that it exists. I don't do anything with it, but the nonprofit exists, the IE foundation, and then we'll end up doing like community health classes that are all free for everybody that wants to join. If you want to send money to us, an awesome thing. There's a lot of wealthy people out there that want to get rid of their money. So they're like get tax benefits, not get rid of the money, but right. have, have yeah. the, the, not have to pay so many taxes at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So they're more willing to give it away to, to somebody that they believe in or something that they, that they believe in. Right. So then if I can have this nonprofit as a safe haven for those people who are wealthy and then also be able to communicate in, in an area that is so impoverished and needs help with, um, help like with, um, 
edu- education on, on health and fitness and, and mm-hmm. diet and all those things. Right. Um, I would it, say something as simple as like what foods to eat, right? Because when you're in an impoverished, impoverished like situation, like a lot of times you don't really have the choice, right? And people are like, oh, we'll just eat healthy and you'll be healthy. And it's like, well, some people don't have the money to show out for like that, right? Or they don't have the time, right? They're on a such and such work schedule to make ends meet that's like they just don't have the time to meal prep, right? There are people in that situation. I mean, so giving them easy shortcuts for free is like, hey, do this instead of that, and like you'll see benefit. Right? And then they can go to the HEB and have the knowledge of like, oh, maybe I should choose the corn tortilla over the flour tortilla, mm-hmm. and something so simple that I can make such a big difference, or not get the canned jalapenos, but just make get my own jalapenos. And it, right. and like our population is ninety eight percent below the poverty line. Okay. A lot of these people don't have the, the time to worry about right. what should I eat, so they're worried about their next paycheck like or, right. like come on like like and so make it so easy that they can and maybe like do they have enough time to even come to a class i don't know mm-hmm. um but i think that there's enough drive especially like with the benefit i think that crossfit did bring about and getting was being so big it's like so many people feel like they, they can do this thing and get fit and look like this certain way so right. now there's all these people doing this thing it's, i think it's raising awareness about health and fitness in general mm-hmm. um and so if i can like just piggyback off of that and say, oh, here, here's a place you can do it for free. And there's professionals, there's USA weightlifting certifications that uh, people coming out of high school who don't have the opportunity to go to college can come here mm-hmm. and get a certification and have a place where they can train clients and learn from people who have done it mm-hmm. and then go off into the world and live a pretty good life or one that they would have not been able to live otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, they would have been going back into the fields, going back into working at McDonald's, going like have doing what their parents did versus giving them a way out. And that little way out can be so much bigger mm-hmm. than just, oh, I'm making more money per hour, but it's like, oh, I'm more health conscious and now I want to start a podcast and now I can talk to all these different people and now I can make more money. Right. Or I, for me, like I'm now doing project management for a company and I don't have a construction science degree, but it was like, I met these people from having a background in, in health and education and, mm-hmm. and then just, just, I didn't, I say use it. I, I was doing what I was doing. They noticed like, Oh, Hey, this guy can think a little bit. Like, let's just pull him over here. And my life is forever changed just because of something I started so many years ago doing powerlifting, right. something so small that you can like, just make such a change in somebody's life. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to go back, I want to develop this place. So we have this place. Um, people can come and give place for people to, to learn about health and education for the community, but then also give other kids a place to be able to have a career that they don't need to go to college for. Right. Yeah. No, that that's like definitely like a like a noble endeavor for sure, right? And uh, it's funny, like um, the the nonprofit part of it, like having like wealthy people like see the like potential of a place like that and be willing to invest in a place like that um, is something that uh, um, my friend Thomas like touched on in the past, where he's like, "Dude, we should like." not ironically like unironically we should start a church of iron and like be non-profit gym right not have to pay taxes all that kind of stuff too and just work off the donation sounds like that is like probably like the dream job right if i can live in a little like apartment above a gym not have to pay rent 
not have to worry about any of that, all that other BS and have it be self-funded. Like that's it. I freaking made it. Right. What else like, do you want? Yeah. And un- unfortunately it takes a little bit of getting a little bit of doing to get there too. Right. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Right. right. So right now, yeah, we're making money for the man and then taking a small cut of it as the trainer. Right. Yeah. Eventually we'll, we'll be the man. Right. <laughs> that's, that is the goal. And so like the, that idea of manifesting and like that hippie stuff that, that talking about, like I, I believe that if you continue to talk about it, continue to try to make moves towards that direction, whatever that direction may be, mm-hmm. podcasting and uh, development. And I, again, that development piece, it's like I talked about it for so long for so many people. And then I got a job working for a builder who is a big investment developer or big investor in developments. Mm-hmm. Oh shit. Look at that. Hey, can I learn from you a little bit more? Right. Boom. Done. Like, and I, and then I can learn enough that I can employ, even if it's enough to employ a company to do the development. I know enough. I know what to look for, right? Same same thing with with a trainer or a client, right? You can you know enough what you're looking for that you can select a good trainer versus a bad trainer, Mm -hmm. right? It's just having enough knowledge base. Um, So I 100% believe in and that hippie what, what's the what's the phrase hippie hippie hip, uh, hippie dippy hippie dippy there you yeah. go the hippie di- do di- di- i couldn't get the word yeah. uh, but that hippie dippy stuff i think that there's a lot of there's a lot there right. um that is real and and the, and the guy i met one of the guys who like the guy who owned the rotel factory at the club that i was working at i was working at really? Mar- i met him nap his last name is nap and i was like oh i was born at the nap medical center Mm-hmm. Like he's like, oh, that's my parents. Wow. We own the Nap Medical Center, and then yeah. we also own Nap, uh, like um, either Ford or whatever. It was car dealership. Yeah, we also own that, and we also own the Rotel. Wow. And then we moved up here, and then now I've been living here ever since. I'm like, yeah. What are the chances that I meet the guy that I, the hospital that I was born at, but also the guy who owns the thing that I want to buy one day? Yeah, exactly. And so we call it synchronicity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I think, and, and and hopefully this podcast will continue to grow, and I think can continue to reach more people that do have the funds. That it's like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll put some money towards something. Right. Um, or I met a couple different people. I started a, a supplement thing. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I know this guy over here who owns a manufacturing plant. I know this guy who is the main distributor uh, for HEB. Mm-hmm. Let's, get, let's get you connected. Right. And like, God damn, like people, I think so long as you talk about good things and like put good things into the world, people are going to give you good things back. Oh, yeah. And I think there's so many people who are really just good people that are there to, to do good things for others and want to see success in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, they just got to talk about it. You got to ask, right? You got to ask. Yeah. <laughs> um. Man, connecting it to my geekiness of Dungeons and Dragons. Like when I was, How often do you play Dungeons and Dragons? Oh man, I used to play like it was like religion for a little bit in college. Okay. Um, uh, it was like once a week for probably like two years straight in college. And then I played for a year in high school and then I played for an additional year after that, like two year stint in college. Do you like uh, being dungeon master? What, what, what is your role? Oh man! So <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get into it. If, if somebody says that they want to be the dungeon master, you gotta watch the fuck out and make sure your character stays alive because they got a they got a power problem, right? <laughs> so I enjoyed being a dungeon master. I am very much looking forward to being a player in another campaign. And I was, my brother was the dungeon master for the last campaign that I played. And, uh, I, uh, how long does the campaign last? 
uh, it's up to you. Um, and in my brother's case, we didn't realize this going in. His campaign that he played in college spanned like two plus years. Damn. Me and the friends I was playing with were accustomed to campaigns that lasted a semester. Because we would set our school schedules, right? We sign up for classes, and then we'd be like, "Hey, what does everybody's schedule look like?" Everybody has a whole Thursday nights, D and D Thursday nights, right? Everybody's got Sundays only, right? All right, let's carve out three hours on a Sunday. That's so cool. Um, so this. we would go like semester by semester, basically. And uh, but yeah, so I ran a campaign called Out of the Abyss. It was set in like the Underdark. And the entire idea. Oh, he's like, what's going on here? Why can't I? <laughs> the uh, then the entire thing was set in the underdark, which is just think like subterranean tunnels and cities underneath the surface world. Um, and then like demons got unleashed from the abyss. They're wreaking havoc. Everything's going to hell in a handbasket, literally. And uh, your party's trying to survive. Um, so anyway, I was DM for that, and. What I had realized was this is this is how I'm tying it back into what we're talking about. What I had realized in D and D is something I started telling my players um, whenever they were like a new player at the table. I was like, nothing exists until somebody says it does, right? So like somebody's playing a necromancer wizard. Nobody knows that your robes are black and tattered until you're sitting at the table describing yourself. My robes are black and tattered, right? As a DM, nobody knows the monster is eight feet tall until I say it. And nobody knows the party is going to get completely killed until I say that the monster is wielding four swords because he's got four arms, looks like he weighs 500 pounds, and has like half of a bull carcass mangled behind him. Like, obviously, he's a badass. Nobody knows that exists until I say something, right? And it's the same idea when we're talking about like manifesting stuff or like the connections you're making. Nobody knows who you are and like what you're trying to do until you say it. And then you said it. And it turns out the person that you're standing next to was like my parents owned the hospital right that would never have happened unless you said something right um right yeah but if you imagine it and then you're just like sitting in your bedroom imagining stuff and writing it down on paper that's one thing but the second that you vocalize it even to yourself right you can be sitting in your bedroom thinking something's going to happen and then it never does until you say out loud to yourself, like, I am going to go do this today. Like, I am going to go, in my case, I was like, I am going to go do these hill sprints, right? I'm going to run up this hill 10 times and see how hard it is. Um, so, yeah, and the, the imagination is like step one, right? You have to create the idea, but nothing actually happens until you put it out into the universe. So nothing exists until you said it. You need to work it. Yeah. You need to put it to work. And exactly. It's, yeah. It definitely has to I mean, it, 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 it doesn't exist, ever exist unless, unless you say it. It, mm-hmm. it, it is not real unless you've talked about it. Right. Um, and so if you had just like had your little notebook and written stuff down, trying to manifest it into, into your paper, right? You never would have realized that you're standing next to the person who owns the factory you're trying to flip over. Right. Um, and so, like, because you are who you are and, like, had that conversation, now you have that connection. If you never said it, they would have just walked away and, like, you would just, and that's it, right? Two ships in the night sailing past each other. So, I've struggled so much in my life with knowing, like, when to say something and when not to say something. And mm-hmm. I think it's almost always right to say something. Yeah. It, it's never, and I, I, I say almost always. I say, I'm going to stay with always, almost always because there are some things you could probably should not fucking say to, right. to help people. Uh, <laughs> and it's just, you know, Gotta be, you're gonna be rude to people or be an asshole for no reason, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're emotionally driven in a, in a conversation and like trying to have a fight with your your spouse, it's probably not a good thing just to say everything that comes out of your face. Right. Um, Blame the devil's advocate to that, though. 
maybe you should say something because if you are being an asshole, then if the person that you're talking to is somebody that you can learn from, they'll let you know. Right. So if you do say something out of line because you're saying everything and every time it comes to your head and then you say some shit and then somebody calls you on it, well, you, you just learned something. Right. You just got so, put into a lane. Right? right. So that's that's the devil's advocate there. It's like maybe it is good to always say something because best case scenario, it's what needs to be said. Worst case scenario, you learn something from it. Right? That sounds um, like a win either way. Right. Right. But I did kind of cut you off there. So you're like, no, 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 no. almost I, I, always you should say something. I, yeah. I, you changed my perspective. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to stick with that. I'm going to stick with it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I like that. <laughs> I like that idea quite a bit, actually. Yes. Because, like, everybody, like, you interact with is, like, a mirror, right? So, like, if I dislike someone, do I really dislike who they are or do I dislike the fact that I'm not comfortable enough with myself to do what they're doing, right? And so, if I say some shit that's, like, negative, like, out of left field, cutting into somebody's, uh, like, psyche, and then they turn around and call me on it... Well, we learned something today, right? <laughs> and so it's like it's a net positive, I think. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, yeah. so yeah. I think this this is a I think okay. So it's one thing to hear it and like to appreciate it, mm-hmm. and now putting it into practice is going to be the next step for me, right? Like, right. It's right. learning when, like learning how to always be that. And I think it's 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 I make it I make it sound more complicated than it probably is. It's just like it's just, it is really just speaking. Right. It's just just it's just talking about it. Yeah. And whatever it's, it may be at, at that moment, and mm. being okay with the the results on the opposite side because the results are either <laughs> it worked out the way you wanted it to, or yeah, you learned that you're an asshole. Uh huh. God yeah. damn it, I love that. <laughs> That's intense. And it's just I feel like they can just extrapolate that to so many areas of my life where I, I where I felt like at sometimes I should have said something, mm-hmm. and after the fact I'm like. Like, no, I probably shouldn't have. Um, right. And I probably should have. Yeah. And to see what, <laughs> see what would have happened. Either this person becomes somebody that connect, I can connect with mm-hmm. on a next level or they like, hey, fuck you, man. And right. that relationship doesn't exist, but that relationship wasn't going to exist either mm-hmm. way if I never said anything. Mm-hmm. It just, it goes poof. Right? right. But the fact that I'm like today willing to ask you and say, hey, Mike, can you come over and, and chat? And mm-hmm. you, you can either say yes or no. Right. Everybody has their own choices. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes I have that, that insecurity or that fear that, oh man, they're either they're not like me or they're going to say no, they're going to, um, whatever the insecurity may be at that time. I think the gym is an interesting place for me to, there's times I want to really want to talk to somebody, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I'm like, eh, yeah, they're in the middle of their set. Mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of my set. I'll just, uh, it's okay. I'll just leave it for another day. You know, but (laughs) it makes me feel like, man, I should just walk up to that person and just Mm -hmm. try a conversation. And if they say, fuck off, then I fuck off. (laughs) If they're like all about it and like, actually, I'm going to hit a couple sets. You and we can chat in here in a little bit. Right. Beautiful. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, I got, I got to put that into practice a lot more often. For sure. Yeah. And then sometimes it's just like reading the energy that they're giving off too. Right. So like once you get more comfortable with it and it's like, then you can like make more informed decisions on like all right what what's the best time to initiate it right so like example would be like when you saw me like doing like my hippie dippy zercher like from the ground right uh, earlier this week it was like that session i was very dialed into what i was doing there i probably wouldn't have been very 
reciprocal in a conversation. Probably would not have happened, right? But then you came in at the end and like at that point, I was like very open to like you being like, hey, come on the podcast. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Um, and then versus like the workout that I did, when was that? Yesterday when I was in the gym. That workout was a lot more like, all right, I hit my top set. We're chilling. Like, awesome. I'll talk to whoever wants to talk, right? <laughs> um, and that was a little very apparent with like when Drew came in, like we're, we're bullshitting and stuff. Right? It was very much so relaxed. Versus like, yeah, if Drew had come in during like my Zercher squats on Tuesday, like like, mm, yeah, maybe I wouldn't have like fed into that conversation as much. Right? Man, it's it's um, paying attention to those things. I feel like sometimes it's so hard, especially when you're looking inside your own brain. Like, should I ask? Should I ask? Should I not? And right, if it's yeah. already like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to ask, you have that mentality. And then you're like, okay, let me take the time to observe. Is this okay? Mm-hmm. Um, for that, for that other person, like in the middle of my squad, if somebody came out to me and was like, hey, man. <laughs> It's like, yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's like, do you have a problem? <laughs> it's that, that would not be a good time. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when somebody's walking out or if it is more chill, like, and I really enjoy and I miss those times a little bit, but if I never create those times around the gym, mm-hmm. then they never exist. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, I just, I, I told Nathan not so long ago that I remember the, the times where I would be in the gym and then everyone would be like, all right, let's go to B-dubs afterwards. Mm-hmm. And we all get together. We all go to B-dubs and then we either go somewhere else after or that ends the night. But it was like the, a sense of that community that I think I lost whenever I say I got more into a commercial quote unquote gym. Right. It's it, We are not a commercial gym, but at the same time we, we are right. And t- technically, um, but it's, it's, we have the opportunity to have relationships in those, in, in that place with people that are probably more complicated and more complex than we give them credit for rather than just looking at them for a moment and, and just like, eh, right? They're it's Mike, it's Drew, it's whatever. It's like if you yeah. sat down and actually just got to know them and built something, then it'd probably be something quite, quite nice, quite beautiful. For um, sure, go hang out with the bros, like sitting in the gym and talk, like making references about squatting and or doing bicep curls in the squat rack. Right. There's a certain group of people that gets how fucking frustrating that is, you know. <laughs> and it's like there are those people that you, that you have the opportunity to connect with. It's just being more open to doing it. Mm-hmm. Have, have you always kind of? I, I feel like I, I I don't think anyone is always like that. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but um, have you seen, have been introspective enough to notice that you've been that way for a while? Like just say it to say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh man, because this is a public podcast, I can't say everything I want to say. Um, yeah. So there is definitely a point in my life where I was very much like, Powerlifting is the way. Strength training is the way, right? All this hippy dippy stuff is not the way. Um, and then I did go through a phase where I kind of shifted my perspective there and I like kind of like zoomed out a little bit and I was like, all right, maybe I don't know as much as I think I know. And then that that was like the first step into like developing like the all the like the, the idea that I expressed, right? Where all the say something, right? Um, and so like yeah, I don't know. There is it was very like ego driven, like early on in my college career, right? It was all about me, what I'm doing. And then like once I got further on and like had that realization that I need to zoom the fuck out and like not be as like egocentric, 
that's when I was like, oh, like, yeah, everybody is a mirror that's being kind of held up to me. And like, do I really dislike Drew or do I just dislike the fact that Drew's okay with just doing bodybuilding stuff, right? Oh, I dislike the fact that he's okay with doing that, but not because he's the one doing it, but because I'm not willing to write that program where it's like I'm doing bodybuilding shit now, right? Um, so I don't know if that directly answers your question or not, but yeah. It's, it's not even like the, the fact that you don't like Drew. It's just that you don't see yourself doing that one thing. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it's like the negative emotion isn't so much towards him and what he's performing, but the fact that I'm not okay with the fact that I can't perform like that. Right. I'm not willing to sit down and write this like bodybuilding centric program because I'm too in my head about like functionality above everything else. Right. And so like Drew is not the problem whatsoever. The problem is Drew's the mirror that's being held up. That's showing in me what I dislike about my inability to write stuff like that. Um, and so, like, I don't know. Yeah, that that idea of, like, always saying something also like, came about because I started developing my friend group. So, like, if I say some shit that's out of line, like, Thomas is totally A-OK with being like, uh, I'm going to check you really quick, right? And so, like, having those people around me that are willing to call me out... <sighs> only fed that like growth cycle of like okay now i'm calling myself out before it even happens right now i'm okay with like just expressing my opinion and then if there's backlash i'm no longer like reacting defensively to it like whoa no i'm in the right right it's like no okay like i'll hear you out like what what can i grow with right what can i learn from this um damn that's cool that was a tangent but i think we got no that's that's that's, that's, so um there's like not higher power, but that's so that's a higher level of thinking. Like that's that's big thinking. That's that's right. I have one of the one of my one of my kids in like in my kids camp uh, mm. would say that's that's big brain. I'm using my I'm using my big brain. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I loved it. He's like nine, ten years old, eleven years old, and we just that's that's big brain that's stuff big right brain. there. Yeah, like, that's cool. You know, but that, right. that is big brain shit. It's like the community that you have around you is is and being able to also contribute to that community is, is going to guide you in the direction that that they are also in right and if that's a right. sense of growth or growth or development or growth and development then and development in the direction you want to go then speak your mind mm-hmm. because ultimately you're going to learn more if you didn't if, 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 right. than, than if you didn't exactly and like sometimes that sticks you into an echo chamber sometimes right when you speak your mind to somebody who has the same ideas and then you just end up like bounding back and forth on the same shit um but if you do it in as many situations as possible, like you won't be bound to that echo chamber, right? If I only spoke my mind only when I was around people that had the same opinion, that's the echo chamber. It's the fact that I'm willing to speak my mind around people who don't hold the same opinion that creates the dialogue that then we can grow from. And unfortunately, sometimes the other person in that dialogue, the other people in that dialogue aren't on the same like wavelength. They're not like trying to grow from that conversation. They're trying to defend their own stuff. And so like sometimes they walk out and I feel like sometimes that they walk out not having got a whole lot out of it. But on my end, I'm like, yeah, no, like that gave me some more things to think about and like kind of like challenge whatever view it is that I hold of whatever the situation or the context was. Um, but yeah, that's part of the big brain though, right? And it's like accepting your growth and if somebody else can't keep up that's cool i'll help them if they can't get it like i can't fix that right yeah. i can just keep doing me we, we we had a conversation last week about running your own race and it's 
the, the way it was told to me, the, the lady Angela at Miramont, my, my coworker, she, the way she verbalized it was like, everyone's, we're all running the same, on the same track. Right? Think about like a hundred, not, not necessarily a hundred yard, but think about like a field. Mm-hmm. And we're all running on the same field. We're all sort of the same kind of spots ish. Um, we're all born. And you can, there's going to be people along that race that are going to be sprinting faster than you. There's people that are walking. There's people that are jogging. There's people that need to stop and drink some water, tie their shoe, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But we're all running along this race. And there's going to be times where you're right next to somebody. And at that time, you guys are vibing. You're feeling your thing. Like you guys are jiving. Right. But then there's going to be times whether you, you, you need to stop and you need to tie your shoes and you grab some water, you need to slow down, mm-hmm. or you're speeding out because you're like, man, I'm fucking feeling my shit. And yeah. they're not. Yeah. And it's and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that they are there at that time in their life and you are where you are. Mm-hmm. And it's never allowing yourself to slow down for somebody else, mm-hmm. but just always running your own race at the pace of that, whatever that race may be. You might want to catch up to people. There's times where I'm like working at the club. I was looking at these people like, damn, man, like I want to get like that, right? That, that I meant that idea of like being at this place at this level of, of financial stability is like, that's insanely cool. And just to be around it and to learn all from all these different people. And at, but at the same time, I was still in a position where I was like, not really wanting to say too much and so I probably gotten, could have gotten a lot more out of my opportunity than I did but I got I mean, but at the same time I got a lot but, so then it's like what if what if what if what if I can play this game for whatever right, right. Um, but I, I can now use this information to continue this mentality to continue to move forward and continue to grow mm-hmm. um, and having good people around makes, makes a big difference and I feel like that was a tangent because I don't really know where I went necessarily but um, <laughs> it's is having good people around that are willing to grow with you and, and push you right. to grow as well right. and be on that race with you and at an understanding that you could be with that person for a long time or you could be with that person for a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you continue to be have an open mind and see that they can offer something to you and you can offer something to them, then we're all continuing down this road of greatness. It's just at different paces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, um, using that same like analogy, it's like, I feel like a lot of people, end up seeing other people at different spots on like the field right or on the track and then like think it's their like goal or think it's like they're calling to like make sure that those people keep up right and it's like the tying your shoe analogy is a great one right where it's like my shoes are tied they fit right i'm good to go and i see somebody else who's lagging behind and i'm holding myself back to try to pull them along their shoes fucked up like what am i going to do pull them along for the rest of the race probably not right i should probably like impart my knowledge on how to tie a good knot and then keep on going right um so yeah it's like i I just feel like me personally at some points in my life like there were some clients where i was like i was trying to hold their hand along the race right and instead of like holding their hand and like doing it step by step with them i should have just like given them the information let them figure out on their own from there and uh yeah uh, there's no really profound statement to end that with but like i just have i've noticed like enough people in my life where it's like and then me being one of them too where it's like i'm holding myself back trying to pull somebody else along it's like no show them how to tie the knot let them figure it out from there and then keep on going and they'll probably they'll probably catch up that's it's i feel like it's so hard to do in in relationships there's some Sometimes you're so emotionally invested in something you don't want them to still want to get out of. You're like, no, look, I'm going to make this work. It's going to work, you know. But it's yeah. like, ultimately, would it ultimately be beneficial for you? And I don't. And maybe, 
beneficial for them, they're running their own race. They mm-hmm. don't know what's beneficial for them in the future either, right? Right. Um, but you know, if you can recognize that you are carrying somebody, mm-hmm. then it's probably a good time to walk away. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is, I don't like saying it is a hell always a lot easier than doing yeah, it, right? Than actually doing it, and yeah. also being in the middle of it and recognizing it, being able to step back out of you know, love is blind, right? Is is the, is that thing? Um, if if it is in a, in this, I guess specifically in a romantic relationship, if if love is blind or even in, in a relationship of, of fitness, right? I was so, I loved powerlifting, but was powerlifting also going to allow me to do all these other things that I've been able to do? Probably not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but, but anyway, um, if I don't recognize that this thing is holding me back or this person, if the, if, I can, if I am not able to step away and recognize that love is blind and like, okay, how can I look at this objectively? Um, it's, it's insanely hard. And I, and I think there's just ultimately, sometimes there's just like one thing that one wake up day you're like oh shit yeah <laughs> i guess it's it, you, i think it starts the, the initial thoughts and then uh, after that you can decide whether you're going to stick around here or not mm-hmm. um and which maybe sounds bigger than i'm gonna make it sound bigger it's like it, it determines the rest of your life mm-hmm. and i remember feeling that when it was like choosing a degree yeah. and i was like <laughs> having to sign this contract and again remitted and I was like well what are you going to do it's like oh, genetics well if you do genetics and this is the right you're going to go well, if you do this this is the right you're going to go mm-hmm. and to a degree yes right that that degree dictated a certain path that I had met certain people or didn't meet certain people so it, it is like this larger than life kind of like idea that whatever decision you make has impacts that will you that you will never understand mm-hmm. until you get there right and even then you might not even understand it then right yeah it's a uh, like the butterfly effect right yeah um or like one small like flutter of a butterfly's wings changes the course of history uh that's a really um was it hyperbolic does that mean over the top right yeah. very hyperbolic example right but it's like true right if like i had been um like super invested in that girl way back right and been like i am going to fix you i probably wouldn't be sitting here doing stuff today making as much money as i do feeling as good as i do right i'd probably be in a little bit more of a rut um <laughs> but uh not i i managed to extricate extract extract myself from that situation which is good um but then there's there's a quote uh i forget what philosopher said it maybe it was just some rando on the internet um that says uh you can't you can't save anyone you can only love them they have to save themselves um and when i read that like that stuck with me like really hard where i was like oh there's like definitely like at that point in time, there was a specific person in my life where I was like, I really want to save this person, right? And then, like, it was just, like, stress over stress over stress, like, constantly building up and that because affecting, like, my personal life outside of just that relationship. And then, like, I, I like, read that quote uh, uh, one day and I was like, holy shit, like, that was super impactful, right? And I was like, that that's where, like, I was talking about, like, you can show the person how to tie the knot on their shoes, show them how to tie it, let them figure it out from there and then keep running. 
Um, it's like the same thing, right? It's like, that's my love to you. I'm, I'm taking this moment out of my race to sit down, show you how to tie your shoes, show you what's wrong and one possible way to fix it. And then from there, like, this is your, your deal, right? Your race now. I'm going to keep on going. And that was my moment of love was taking the time out of my race to show you that. And now I'm back on my track. And so now it's up to you to save yourself from there. Right. Um, and I just think like that, uh, that phrase or like that, that, um, saying can be applied to like pretty much everything. Right. Um, whether it be like professional, uh, relationships, personal relationships, um, or just really anything in life. I feel like, it, it, like I feel like there's been people involved in my life ahead of me mm-hmm. that have probably showed me try to, to do something, but for whatever reason, I was so egotistical that I was like, nah, yeah, this nah. is the way you do it, bro. Yeah. And, and I think there are some people that have, have, I think I've attempted to show me love in that same way to teach me how to tie my shoes the way that they have learned to. Mm. But I think that there's still the opportunity for me to run my own race and find my own way to tie it better than somebody else could teach me. Um, It's like learning how to squat better than anybody else could teach me because I've done it for so long. Like you understand, like you can read, you can do all these things, but being in the moment and being present and have the proprioception to be there and doing the thing. Mm -hmm. Even if somebody, if somebody told me uh, you need to have a more narrow squat, you need to be this, 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 and this, could it have been good at the time? Sure. But I think that the fact that I tried all these different and that I can put now put a book together, right? And that same make make it some make it easy for somebody to learn within three, six, nine weeks. Um, that it's taken tens of thousands of hours of, of squatting alone, and that I've been able to like look back and like, oh, this is the right way to do it. And now that it opens this like massive door of success in diff in anything that is squat related, which is a lot of things, right? It's it's anything with dealing with kettlebells and then dumb. You you can ex- you can extrapolate that concept of squatting to so many different movements, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, I think that there are people who maybe don't aren't aren't are so like bull bullish um, where they just want to like do the fucking thing and move it move forward but there's somebody like hey man it's okay wait let's take a second let's look at these couple things and let's break it down and then that's that opportunity to try to help and as I'm sure that I've been both people in my life where I needed the opportunity to learn myself but I've also been the person who didn't listen to the other person because I was so egotistical at the time that I couldn't realize it right. um, yeah. and it takes a certain level of, of development introspection what all, all the things to be able to recognize somebody's trying to give me love mm-hmm. that's and then, then someone over here you keep on saying love is the answer right? love is the thing and it's not about having fun i always say wish the answer of life i said was was to have fun to have fun in the moment to enjoy what we're doing and um earlier today when we talked about it, it was like it's not it's not love isn't the answer and she thinks that love isn't my answer it's just the way i've termed it right it's love is the answer in general like if you just love people and try to give off good things and ultimately i feel like you're doing the right thing in life mm-hmm. it's just being open and open and receptive to that love right right yeah and people stick whatever labels they want on it right it's like they call it love they call it selflessness they call it the god right whatever it may be right it's like what it really is is you just putting out positive energy that you're hoping gets reflected back and a lot of the times it doesn't but it leaves a mark on whoever it was that you projected it on um and so like yeah i don't know uh, I, I agree with uh, like love is the answer, right? It's all love. It's all play. It's just some people get lost and caught up in the the day to day life. Got to make the money part of it, and it's like, dude, like 
you're gonna have a little bit of fun with this, right? I gotta make the money part is what it, it 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 both it worries me at the same time it it, it there's motivation behind it because I think there's this idea that it's better at the end of it or on the other side of it having money versus not having money like little things I remember like going to the grocery store and like putting my card in and it getting declined and I will mm-hmm. just and that feeling of everyone behind you and you're like oh fuck versus right. like, and and I, today that feeling still lasts today I'm like go to the thing I put my card in I'm like wait. Do I have enough money in there? Yeah. And then it goes through. I'm like, okay, yeah, nice, no. Nice. And I look back and I'm like, no, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, but <laughs> it's just like that that fear that like that like you have dreams of of your exams in college. It's the mm-hmm. same thing now. And have being able to afford what I can aff- like being able to afford my groceries was something that I didn't have then. And having it now is nice. And I think that it in my thoughts is like if I can continue to make more money, that can continue to do more things. Mm-hmm. That's travel. That's um, be able to tip better at restaurants. Because one thing that I love to do is like tip 100% every single time. So if I, if I spend 20 bucks, I'm going to tip you 20 bucks. Um, and it's understanding that this person on the other side doesn't like they're, they don't have the opportunity to go and sit somewhere and order food. They're the ones like doing things. Yeah. Do they have that opportunity? Sure. But it's like I, I'm right now in this position that I can afford to do this thing. This is a luxury. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, and this person is making $2 an hour. Right. I'm going to fucking make like, I'm, I'm going to pay my dues. In, in a way, right? Um, and so my thought is that I can continue to grow and make more money, but at the same time, it, I get fearful that if my if my goal is to have money, then does it become so um, not engulfing, but uh, yeah, I guess engulfing. Like it, it consumes me, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of times it happens. We we see it all the time. It's like I just don't want to ever get there, but I don't know how to have that balance. Right. And I, I think it's the only one way you know is by living through it, right? By doing it, yeah. And if there's learning from those people that are willing to give you love. Mm-hmm. And if, if love is the answer and you continue to move forward with love, if that's the solution, that's how you fight the other thing, money versus love, then continue to hold on to this thing and just like love having conversation. I love conversation. Mm-hmm. If money comes out of it, then awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm not making anything. All right. You're not making anything. It's a we're talking. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we're just talking. All right. Having a good time. And... If it grows, it grows. If it doesn't, then I learned a lot along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? absolutely. And like, uh, my like a personal example for me on like the nobody's making any money off of this sort of thing is uh, I do a Twitch streaming with two of my friends, Thomas and Brian. So Thomas is like, I want to start a Twitch stream. I want to get paid to play video games. I think that would be an awesome form of income. But we all know that if you're just a streamer with one, two, three viewers, you're not really making a whole lot of money. You're actually losing money because you're spending time doing something that doesn't make you it. However, when we stream, it's time we would already be spending on that activity, right? And so, like, when I hop on stream, like, my thought isn't like, oh, I'm going to get however many thousand viewers and, like, we're going to pump this stream up and I'll be making freaking bank, right? My thought is, like, I really enjoy this game. I don't necessarily have the attitude or personality to be a big streamer, but I can put in my part of time one day a week. Well, two, because I do one day solo, and then we do a Friends Friday where we all get together. And uh, I can put in my time that I'd already be wasting, quote-unquote, on a video game. I'm having enjoyment. There's people that are going to pop in. They're going to enjoy either because they enjoyed the game as well, or they know me personally, like Breeze hung out on stream a few times um, and just uses like background noise. But what we're getting out of that is a very, very small monetarily, but big on the enjoyment and like play aspect. Right. And, uh, 
So I'm not sitting down with like the goal of like, this is what's going to make me money. I'm sitting down with the goal of like, I'm here to have fun and eventually we'll have a, a cult following of a hundred people that are willing to give us five bucks a month. And that's $500. But between the three of us that we're just making, doing what we would do already. Right. And it's not so much that the money's coming because we're focused on the money. The money's coming because we're focused on doing something that we already love. And so if we're willing to put that out there, there's going to be those individuals individuals that come through and then throw money at us saying, yeah, do what you love. And it's the same thing with like your eventual, like, uh, like dream of having that facility, right? You're doing what you love to do. You're helping people. And there's going to be people that realize the benefit of that. And they're like, I have the money. You have the money to tip the waiter. They have the money to throw at the gym. Right. And like, it's just that like never ending loop of like people giving back to the community and then the community grows and then people are more well off and so they have more money to give to the community so the community grows right and it's like, all of a sudden we're in a socialist state ah oh, shit how do you <laughs> but, but no like really though it, it is like that that loop right like it feeds into itself right i'm going to be pulling a check from our twitch stream at some point and that is going to give me more expendable income to do more of the stuff that i like doing right eventually i won't have to work 30 hours a week i'll work 25 hours a week because i'm making money off a stream so now i have more time to play and love and then it just keeps on going from there so i continue to get to have the opportunity to meet and talk with people and learn about them and learn about their lives and (laughs) and be able to listen and take tidbits and make my own life better and if i can do that then I can continue to add into the podcast and have right. more experience to talk about with more people. And ultimately, if some, hopefully if somebody listens to this, mm-hmm. they, they can get something out of it too. And like, Oh man, uh, I learned this really cool concept about love. I'm going to share this with my family. Right. And then that like, can like make such a big difference in the way that family functions. Mm-hmm. That's the coolest fucking the impact. Like that's the, that's right. the, that's cool. Yeah. That has value. Mm-hmm. And if Spotify wants to pay me too, sponsor me Spotify, uh, <laughs> then awesome. You know, great. But ultimately when people get to learn, people like, I, I, li- I like to listen to a lot of podcasts for entertainment. I love, um, the two bears, one cave mm-hmm. is one of my favorites. I don't know if you listen to it, but you should. I have not um, heard of it, it, it. And they're all entertainment. I feel like sometimes I should, I should be listening to more like informative um, like learning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I, but I do listen to a lot of entertainment. So, um, Joe Rogan, I think, has a combination of all of all of those kind of things, humor, entertainment, and then education-based things, mm-hmm. and from a lot of different aspects. Um, yeah, Two Bears, One Cave, which is just them shooting the shit, talking about their broski life, and this is two comedians, Tom Segura and Burt Kreischer, talking about bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then YMH, Your Mom's House, they're also the same thing, kind of just talking bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that gets me through my days sometimes, where it's just like, I really hate it at work. I'm going to turn on this podcast and just watch, listen, have a good time. And that adds value because it gets me. Th- when I was doing sales, I was going fucking insane. Like I hated sitting in that office all day, not talking to anybody. Yeah. It's like I can hear, I can listen to two buddies shooting the shit. Mm-hmm. That that added so much value to get me through my day and not go insane, mm-hmm. more insane. Um, <laughs> I was not how struggling. So hopefully, like this can continue to just be bigger than just. I don't know. Just be big. Mm-hmm. Like not just for me, but for other people too. I think that'd be the ultimate goal. Yeah. For you sure. Know? One day. And then at the same time, it's already something I enjoy doing. I like there to talk. Go. I like <laughs> talking with people. Yeah. 
Like I said, it's just a win-win, right? <laughs> We're only coming out on top. <laughs> I like I like the idea of podcasting. I like the idea of of so. I think social media has added a lot of really cool things, and it's opened up. It's an entirely new space. It's still new space, relatively, um, if you compare it like the construction. Obviously, right? Those are yeah. two very big off the extremes. Um, it I think will continue to grow, and, and I think the people who are early on, which I would consider like Twitch streamers now, Discord, people who are starting now are still pretty early on. Like mm-hmm. there's still such an opportunity for growth and a massive amount of growth and a massive amount of impact. And that's amazing. Beautiful. Yeah. You know, it's just constantly evolving. Right. And it's like, we thought like we reached like the, the pinnacle of Twitch streamers. Right. And then Facebook was like, ah, but metaverse streaming. Ooh. And so now that's an entire new territory that can be explored and developed. And it's just going to keep on going from there. Right. Um, like I said, it's only up. So <laughs> would you just tr- Twitch for a living? Like if you could, if I could, I think that would, that would be probably ideal. If I could wake up, work out, chill, and then play video games to get paid for it. Like it seems kind of nice. I probably have to do it in like a seasonal manner though. Cause as nice as that sounds, if I spent the rest of my life doing that, I might get a little boring, right? <laughs> Fair. Um, but yeah, but then with that, it's like, we're not just doing like video games on Twitch. We did like the deadlift challenge on Twitch. We did 420. How does that go? What, what of all things? Why? Okay. So I was not in charge of getting this set up. So this is actually something that, uh, Thomas and Brian came up with as like a stream challenge. Brian, Brian who left to Austin. No, different Brian. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Not Brian Roberts. Um, Brian Vargas. He, he's a coworker over at uh, Merritt house. And, uh, I would have loved to stream with Brian Roberts. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting character. Yeah, for sure. I love that guy. And, uh, so anyway, yeah, they were like, all right, community challenges. If you spend a certain amount of time watching somebody stream, you get channel points. We call our channel points Chubbles because we're the little chubs is the name of the stream. Um, and so you watch forever long, you take the Chubbles, you throw them into whatever it is. There's easy ones like 250 Chubbles, you get an emote that you can use I fucking chat. love this. Yeah, it, it's amazing. <laughs> and then it was like, another one's like, I think it's like 350 Chubbles, uh, blow a kiss. So we'll kiss the camera, right? Um, and then there is something else. Um, I forget, but the the big one, Schmeckles. Schmeckles. Do, have yeah. you, do you know that reference? Yeah, okay, thank yeah, you. Yeah, Chubbles yeah. that reminds me of <laughs> Schmeckles. Oh, it's so good. Some smackaroons. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so Chubbles were a thing, and then they were like, "All right, what's the biggest challenge we can do?" And we we're like, "I forget what the number was." They came up with the 420 deadlifts, blaze it at 225 pounds, mainly because 135 is too easy and 315 is too hard. So it's like 225 is nice. Um, and then they decided to get off of the channel points thing because it was such like an outrageous number, but we would get like explosive numbers where like somebody would drop like 40,000 chubbles. And then other days we get like a hundred. Right. And so we were like, well, let's just set a date and just do it. Um, so they decided that, then I started streaming along with them. And so I got roped into it all of it all as well. <laughs> and uh, so at the end of the day, it's just an obnoxiously large number of deadlifts just doing it for the views. 
That's right? a, a lot of fucking deadlift. Yeah. That's that's an insane amount of tonnage. I don't know what that is. Twenty five by four twenty. I think it came out to ninety four thousand five hundred pounds of tonnage. Yeah, God it was damn. ridiculous. I I was sitting there. I was like, I think we set a world record, like unofficial. I set it at dinner, and then one of the other girls uh, was was the producer, and she pulled it up. Right, and she was like, Ashley, y'all didn't. Somebody else holds the record. And get this, this dude deadlifted. I think it was in kilos. So it was some weird number, like four hundred nine pounds, something like that. But it was four hundred and five. We'll call it a four plate deadlift. 57 reps in one minute. Think about that speed, dude. What the F? The actual wrong with him. shit. But yeah, I, I forget what the math came out to be, but he blew us out of the water. On <laughs> I was like, all right, we do not have a claim to fame anymore. The only cool thing about ours is that it was the stoner number four. It was 420. Yeah. 225. Um, was yeah. it intentional? That's the, the 420 was? Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was like, oh, what's, a, what's an outrageous number that nobody would do? Oh, 100. No, somebody would do that. Oh, 400 uh, 420 yeah if you're at 400 you might as well do 420 yeah. was it how did that feel like getting to the, i mean when did it start getting hard so yeah that was that was weird we talked about it a little bit afterwards and like if you go back and watch the vod of it like we were all fucking dying like we were doing like mock interviews in between and our friend Stefan was like mike we got a question for you i was like dude let me chill for like two minutes like i cannot talk right now and i'm like off camera like lying on my back just like heaving and then like sitting up like drinking some liquid iv and lying back down God, um, so yeah that got hard at like 200 reps that's when it kicked in and so but i had done some training for it right i did like a 10 by 10 at 225 and then i did i think like a 15 by 10 another week i wasn't doing a 20 by 10 to get to the 200 reps as the peak but then i had to work a moving job like moving somebody's house right for extra money to like make ends meet and i was like well i'll do a, a it was supposed to be a four-hour moving job it turned into seven so i, I made 200 something bucks off of it 300 something bucks i forget what it was exactly and uh so I missed that training day and I was like well I did the moving job the volume was there <laughs> it's seven hours worth of work right yeah so I was like alright I'll hit like a five by ten on squats and we'll be we'll call it good for the week and uh but anyway yeah so I did a decent amount of training for it and then we got to the day and I like put up a poll on Instagram like how long do you think it's going to take us to do this and like the numbers are ranging anywhere from like three hours to multiple days right some people were like you're not going to be able to finish and I was like I've done 150 in the gym like i think we got this it'll take a while i was like conservatively guessing like three to four hours and then we got it done in two so i hit like the Damn. two hour mark almost on the dot and then the other two guys thomas and brian i think brian did it in like an hour 45 and then thomas was like an hour and 50 and then i came in like 10 minutes later and finished and it, it was crazy i remember looking at the clocks we took that timer that's on the wall and put it on like the olympic benches and like we had it running and it goes to like 99 minutes i remember it hitting 60 minutes and we were more than halfway done with the reps and that's when like the realization set in is like holy shit our pace is insane right now um but yeah I, I did it like i think i did a set of 10 on average every minute to a minute and a half and so and then brian did like five reps every 90 seconds like religiously and then threw in like some like am raps at the end just to get there a little bit faster um 
But yeah, so the strategies, the strategies, you know, yeah, I like how yeah. they varied. Well, we like did the math before the beforehand. He's like, oh, I'll do five reps every 90 seconds. I was like, well, this is this is your time if you stick to that scheme. Right. And so like, did he beat his time? Huh? Did he beat his time? If uh, you would have done, well, obviously with the AMRAPs. With the AMRAPs, I think he actually like, yeah, came in underneath it because yeah. it was like two hours and some change. Um, I'd have to redo the numbers. I'm not good at mental math. Yeah. Um, but he ended up beating the time because of the AMRAPs and like some shorter rest times in there. But yeah, so it got hard at 200 for me. And it was like from 200 to 420 all felt the same and it was all hard. But at the same time, like it wasn't like I was dying. Like I was, I'm on the ground, like, you know, breathing heavily, like gasping at some parts, but there was never a point where it was like, I physically cannot stand up and keep going. It was like, all right, 30 seconds have gone by. I took a sip of water. I'm still alive. We can go again. Right. It's really fucking hard, but we can go again. It's just 225. And like, I don't know if we had a velocity tracker on the bar, the velocity probably didn't drop until like the last like 50 to 60 reps. And then like my last set was, I, I was the gym grunter on the last set. <laughs> so they were like, you got 10 reps. And I was like, I'm getting it all in one set. And I think I ended up doing a set of eight and then rest pause to the last two reps or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's a feat. It, it, it really feat. is like a, it's like a, a, a thing. Uh-huh. I've never heard of anybody. When I first saw y'all doing it, mm-hmm. I was like, this, this sounds dumb. This sounds insane. <laughs> it was, no, it was dumb. <laughs> like, like, don't give me any credit for it being like a smart play. It was absolutely a just obnoxious amount of numbers, a uh, number of reps, put it on the stoner number for the meme. And then like, yeah, it was, there was nothing smart about it. Like, don't give me credit. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't meant to be smart. It right, was meant right. to just be a thing. The, the point was for it to be kind of a dumb challenge. I, and everybody's like, there's no way they're going to do this. And then we did it, right? That was kind of like the idea. It, it, and that, I mean, it, that's exactly what, that's how it played out. That's what exactly. happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just remember like, this is, I remember seeing it on the board for a while. And part of me was like, like what are they doing with this? So why? Where does this come from? Right. And, and like, how does this become a conversation? Like, they just guys just came out here and started doing reps. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I started thinking about it. I was like, that sounds like that'd be really fucking tough. Right. Like, that's a lot of fucking volume. Just yeah. like two twenty five. Okay. It's it, it's it's simple. It's mm-hmm. it's it's an easy rep or an easy amounts to lift. Mm-hmm. But four hundred and four hundred. I've never done four hundred and twenty rounds of anything in my in a day in yeah. my life. It's Why like, would I ever? Some of like the CrossFit crowd would probably be like, "Oh, I've done like a thousand rep workout at some point, right?" But it'll be like a forty pound wall ball, a one thirty five clean and jerk for reps, right? Nobody's like done like two plates on deadlift that kind of volume. Right? Did y'all get any clout from that? Like, did, you, did it make it? How did Twitch do? Um, so the Twitch views are actually pretty good. Um, I'd have to look up the exact statistics but like it, it was like the peak of our channel for sure like it's the the biggest stream we've ever had um i i don't know the numbers on previous streams but like for reference the first stream i did on elden ring when the game first released and was super popular i think i had like peak of like 14 viewers continuously at one time and then like i think it was like 60 to 80 unique views this stream we peaked at somewhere between 7 to 11 consistent viewers but it was like 164 unique views across like the the span right and I don't know we got like 4 or 5 followers out of it I think somebody subscribed so that's where like the money comes into play right 
But like just on like unique views alone, like it was definitely the peak of our Twitch channel. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Because somebody like sees a headline like that on the fitness category, they're gonna click on it and be like, what the fuck's going on? What are these kids doing? Right. Yeah. <laughs> what and the then, fuck? Right. And like the thumbnail is probably like us like mid-set and like look like we're dying, right? Or like just the empty gym with like three bars let uh, set out. So somebody's gonna click on it and be like, what's going on in this thumbnail, right? Um but yeah, that was definitely like the peak video of our channel. What's so. next? We haven't decided. Um, is, is there talk about it? Uh, or not so I, much? I've put it out there that I do not want to do deadlifts again. <laughs> and I do not think I would be able to do the same thing on a squat. I was gonna, I was about to say 500 reps, uh, 225 squat. That so, sounds insane. So the, the problem is I'm really bad at squatting. I'm really good at deadlifting. So that's why I'm like not about it. I, I'd be more okay with a bench press before squats, even though I'm objectively worse at bench press over everything because my leverage is right. How much would you do? Um, I would be willing to do 135 for a set of reps. However, that would not be nearly as clout chasing because there's dudes half my size that rep 225, right? Um, there's not a whole lot of people that are willing to take two plates for a ride that big on deadlift though. Um, but yeah, so we haven't really talked about it. Um, it's probably a good thing we're having this conversation then because I completely forgot about like we haven't set up a new fitness challenge. I feel like um, even 185, I mean 185, I feel like the, I feel like the number 200 mm-hmm. is a is a is a number you're willing to click on 185 yeah. it's like eh, 185 yeah. pound squat for 100 for 420 so it's the same amount of reps mm-hmm. um i just don't know that that would necessarily pull as many people as right. 225 for 420 reps yeah that sounds again like insane what the fuck are these guys doing like what <laughs> what are they thinking but yeah. also like i want to watch that i fuck yeah i want to watch that absolutely yeah i think i don't want to be there to watch it to be honest with you i want to be at like the especially at the end of it uh-huh. but to see the transition from like oh these aren't too bad these are okay right. to oh god this yep. is like, there are, there are a lot of yeah buddies a lot of lightweights being thrown That's out funny. like and i will take credit for a lot of them because like i fucking love that mentality right people will give like ronnie coleman shit for like how his training like fucked up his back and i'm like purely the the yeah buddy lightweight mentality is like that's what i'm in it for right like i fucking love that is the mentality yeah definitely tried being the hype man for sure (laughs) you'll put this guy up yeah no worries (laughs) i watched for a little bit yeah in the beginning, like watching all get set up, I was like looking in the kitchen. I was like, "What is exactly what he said?" Like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> and I watched the whole setup. And when I talked back in, it's also because all the interviews. I'm just like cracking up, mm-hmm. and then I forgot to go back and look at the end. And I think I'll like reshare something on Instagram or something, and I could see it at some point I'll die. And I was yeah. like, clearly that was going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was really funny. That that was a good time. Again. Don't think I'll ever do it again. I think just the part of like hanging out at the gym mm-hmm. and just like having like a challenge to be a part of like people coming by and just like right. what are you doing? Like it's just cool. Mm-hmm. It's just fun. For sure. And then I don't know, maybe some of the other lifters there like saw us doing some stupid shit and then like started eroding some mental barriers of like between them and their own training. Cause it's like some power lifters will come in. Like I know Nate's coming in the past and been like, dude, I'm going to fucking die today. There's no way I can do four by 10 on back squat or something. But then he does it. Right. And then so like seeing somebody like a, 
when it comes to lifting, the three of us are definitely like average Joes, right? Like compared to the normal population, I'm fucking yoked, right? I'm huge. Compared to the gym population, I'm just another dude. So like seeing in context, average Joes pulling off something that like phenomenal, Maybe that, like, you know, broke down some mental barriers between people in their own training, too, right? Where it's like, if these guys could pull this off, then, like, shit, and I, like, 10 by 10, it's like nothing now. Like, I totally got that. Right? That's sick. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely, uh, definitely a fun time. <laughs> definitely won't repeat. So. How long did it take to recover after that? So, Thomas and Brian did pretty well. Brian is. In this situation, my honest opinion, not very smart. He decided to work a moving job the next day, which was a lot of boxes up and down stairs, apparently. And I was like, yeah, you kind of did that to yourself. Um, Thomas and I didn't have anything planned for the next day. So, like, we had all day Sunday to rest and recover. Thomas said that he felt, like, soreness in his triceps, of all things. And then, like, his lats, like, quote, unquote, like, felt heavy. Did you work at a bar or something? Because like I feel like I poured that really slow, and I still ended up with a lot of head on it. I have not, but I've done a lot. I, I used to read a lot about alcohol for a long time. Um, just anything that has to deal with serving, brewing, okay. creation of spirits, creation of cocktails. Um, I have several books. Uh, no, but yes. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> that's a lot better than the last one. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, so Thomas was like sore in the triceps, um, heavy, That's heavy in the so lats. Yeah. Of all places. Right. I think it's just like the walkout, right? That straight arm position. Cause the, what is it? The long head of the tricep attaches across the armpit as well. Um, and so like the lat crosses one way and then the tricep crosses the other. So I guess it makes a little bit of sense there. Um, but I was, dude, I was fucked. <laughs> I like going. All right. So, so I told my clients, yeah, all right. I got to I got to roast myself a little bit. So I told my clients what we were doing going in. They're like, Oh, like who do you think is going to finish first? I was like, ah, oh, Thomas has got first for sure. Brian's definitely finishing last. I'm probably going to be second. And they're like, Oh, why? I was like, well, I'm tall. So I have a large range of motion, but I'm the best deadlifter. Like objectively I have the best numbers. Right. But Thomas has been doing a whole lot of running. So his cardiovascular system is definitely the best out of the three of us. And then Brian should be the best based on his leverages. He's very short, uh, not a huge femur length on him, right? So like range of motions cut, but he's still really strong. Still deadlifts 400 plus. I think he's like 450 or something like that. And so like he's a strong dude, but Brian hasn't been training. He's been working 40 hours a week at an architecture firm, being able to do like a workout maybe once to three times a week. So he's just detrained. So like I just threw Brian underneath the bus for sure. Um, come around to competition day. Uh, I finished last by like 10 minutes. I fell behind. Um, I will blame my range of motion till the day I die. Um, and yeah. And so like out of the three of us, I was, I was fucked the next day. Like I could not bend over more than like 15, 20 degrees at the hips without my back. Just like seizing up, just like shooting pain down my SI joint into my hamstrings. Like I, I legitimately was like, do I call into work and like tell my clients I'm not coming to work on Monday? Like it was that bad. I couldn't like bend over to flush the toilet properly. It was terrible. I had to like literally Dude. lift my foot to flush the toilet if I wanted to do it pain free. Um, so Sunday, like went for a walk, sweated a little bit out in the sun, like got a whole bunch of good food in, hella hydration. Um, 
And then that was pretty much it Sunday. I didn't do anything really physical outside of that walk. And it was a pretty long one. Um, and I was like, all right, do what I told my clients. Blood flow over everything else, right? If I sit on the couch, it's not going to get better. And then Monday, I went into BVB for my 12 to 4 shift. And uh, Marcos has it, so we can't wait. We can't work out for the first two hours of our shift. And so, like, I just moved really, really slowly, like, cleaned up the gym, did my normal stuff. Two o'clock hit. And from, like, two until three, I was, like, pretty much just lying on the turf doing mobility. I did, like, the Eldoa stretch to start. I did, like, figure four stuff. I did banded cat cow. I did fire hydrants. I did lion leg raises. Basically getting as much range of motion as I could pain-free. And then I stood up and did, like, some hinge stuff. And it was still pretty limited range of motion without pain. But it was a lot better than Sunday. And then Tuesday rolled around and I had a moving job. And that was the job that I mentioned earlier where it was supposed to be four hours. Uh. It turned into seven. And so I bumped a client back, like, 30 minutes to be able to get the session in. Um, and then went straight from the moving job, no food into the session. And honestly, the end of the moving job, I felt better than when I started. Like I, I showed up to the moving job, like pretty achy, like not really certain what we we're going to like be able to move. And then I won't say names, but one of the other guys on the job is like really slight of build does the pump workouts right and doesn't actually have real strength or muscle mass on him he's like uh looks good because he's skinny low body fat percentage and so like i knew like oh i'm gonna be the workhorse me and colt have got this we're the workhorses however i'm basically injured right (laughs) basically injured (laughs) i've just demolished my tissue (laughs) right yeah and the the moving job was it was like 40 boxes of legal documents up and down stairs we're moving a law office um the main desk the secondary desk the couch and a filing cabinet all from downstairs and a piano an upright piano uh, all from upstairs to downstairs and then downstairs to upstairs was a couch another desk and two filing cabinets what? Yeah. And I should you not Fuck like... Fuck this law office. <laughs> right? And it's in downtown Bryan, too. So all the hallways are narrow. The staircases have straight up a U-turn. Damn. It was terrible. But yeah, so I started the job like, this is going to go so poorly. Like, we're fucked. We're not getting this done. And uh, by the end of the job, I was like, I feel great. Like, I was so... I was so worried about dying being crushed by a piano that I forgot all about my back pain. Like, it was amazing. <laughs> and I was like... I, I, I almost called into this job being like, Colt, I'm sorry. I'm going to let you down and say I can't make it to this job, like saved my spine. Right. <laughs> it was really, really weird. Like total opposite from what you would expect on a recovery. And then I woke up Wednesday and I was like, wow, my muscles are sore, but I can touch my toes without like excruciating pain. And then like every day from there is just better, better, better. And by the time a full week went by, I had like fully recovered. Um, but yeah, it was that, that day after, I was like, I fucking did it to myself. Like, this is it. I finally, like, truly herniated a disc or some shit. Like, I am screwed. There's no coming back from it. Um, and then a week later, I was, like, jumping up on boxes and going for a run. Felt completely fine. Yeah. I mean, a week's not that terrible. Like, it, right. it's, it started, started off aggressively. I wonder what would yeah. happen if you didn't end up doing that move or, like, I, yeah. move, it, move it all. There's right? a good chance that I would have, like, talked myself into, like, babying it for a few more days and then, like, 
going to take like two, three weeks to work out. But like, I really do credit that moving job with like most of my recovery. Because like going up and down stairs isn't a big range of motion, right? No. Picking up the box from the ground is the biggest range of motion, but each box is like 15 pounds, right? It's just paper. So yeah, I don't know. Movement is cool. Yeah. Movement is key. Blood flow is key. Right. I would have been in like a Epsom salt bath every I, I did day. take one i did take yeah. one yeah, on sunday i yeah. love some good epsom salt okay. baths if i i've never woken up that that to that extent i wish yeah. i wish i had a story that i could look back and be like oh yeah you know I, there was one I time where i just that, yeah. I, that's that's unique no, like, was, even after powerlifting meets yeah like you don't feel that terrible for that long even right. after a meet yeah like, it's a it's, it's more of like a neuromuscular fatigue not like mm-hmm. a, just a physical like oh my god my my ache my, my body aches right it's just like i am fatigued mm-hmm. um that, that was what it was because i've done two powerlifting meets i did the aggie showdown in like 2018 right. 2019 maybe and then i did the texas open in 2020 and the first meet my knees were thrashed like i could not go for a jog at that point in my life i wasn't going for jogs anyways <laughs> um, but you remember but yeah. jogs are nuts <laughs> yeah i was like if we do anything in my coaching a volleyball class that requires me running like i'm gonna speed block this year <laughs> that, that was everything else felt fine though it's just the knees and then the second meet it was like you're talking about it's just like that the your body is just slow right it wasn't a tissue issue it was nervous system nervous system was just fried and uh but yeah after that move it was like no like this is like my muscle belly itself is convulsing right and it's like this is an actual like my tissues are damaged right that why did you do this to us Mike? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> of all things and uh i remember it, the, dude caffeine is crazy on appetite suppression because i remember i i took a scoop of pre-workout and then halfway through i had a red bull That's and then cool. like half of a half of a 3d energy which i think is like 175 milligrams total maybe maybe 200 uh, two, th- yeah those are 200 yeah. 200 uh-huh. so so all said and done 300 100 red bull so 380 milligrams right or which is not that 400 which is <laughs> it's like a scoop and a half of pre-workout is basically yeah. what it was yeah. right but over, like, over two hours yeah and I was like oh dude I want to be so hungry when this thing's done and I was not hungry at all and Thomas and his wife Lindsay were like oh let's go to Harvey Washbangers and I was like I'm going to go and we'll see if I eat. And then we got there and I was like, I am not hungry, but I know I need nutrients. So I'm going to eat food. And I was like halfway through my burger and then the hunger set in. And I was like, the first half of the burger was like slow and steady. Everybody else is like working on the end of their food. And I'm still like, I'm chilling with my side of fries still. Right. And like halfway through the burger, I was like, Oh fuck, I'm hungry. So like, we're going to My body needs. <laughs> Why didn't you and eat I in the middle of it? Demolished like- it. Um, I had a pineapple. Oh, you did eat. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I, had, uh-huh. I had like snacks. I had pineapple and sour patch kids. Like sour patch kids are the best. Yeah, sugar yeah. I needed this the sourness of it as well. That's like um, the citric acid, you know, and like it's probably not really good for my teeth and my body on a whole, but like it makes me feel alive enough, especially in the middle of that many deadlifts. Like I don't feel very alive. Right. And I'm like, I need to fucking pick me up now. That was my go-to during powerlifting maze. It was sour patch kids, sour patch mm-hmm. kids. And then I couldn't eat before any meat. I could just, I just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would try to get a sour patch kid in. And then if I can get some sort of protein, just anything that I could find yeah. that was at least moderately protein based, then I would, I would steal that. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then I would, I do, I would very often throw up and like right before squats, 
house and be like, yeah. all right, I'm nervous as fuck. All right, let's, here we go. And yep, then I like, yep. puke your body, and I'm like. Your body's like, get rid of everything we don't need. Yep, like, exactly. Shit it out, throw it up, whatever you need to do. We got to fucking go. <laughs> exactly, dude. And, <laughs> I had the exact same experience by, like for the first part of lifting me. The second one was a lot chiller. Um, but the first one, I was like, oh, no. Like, if somebody types in Mike Lipke to open powerlifting, are they going to see I only benched 185 because I got nerves? Like, I better <laughs> fucking perform, right? And then the second meet was, like, purely for fun. I was like, I need to be able to coach powerlifters at some point. I need to know what's going on in a meet setting. So, I'll do a second meet, and it'll probably go better. And it totally did. I had a great time. There were a lot of people for BVB that competed there, too. So, like... Honestly, the warm-up room, I didn't really feel like I was getting ready for a competition. It was very much like I was the hype man for the real lifters, right? That's like Jose's cool. trying to go out and pull 600 or some shit. And like, so I'm like hyping him up, right? Um, so yeah, that, that, that was a cool time for sure. Um, I've never been on that side of it, but I think it'd be fun to be on that. Like to be like still lifting, but like yeah. to be like the hype dude in the middle of it exactly that, yeah. did, that do you know a, um did you meet a ike from the gym ike yeah, uh-huh. yeah. We were, i was on the team with him at a&m yeah oh, oh yeah, yeah i forgot he was on the powerlifter team yeah so like he was that was one of his like few like handful of his last meets i think he did a couple more after that and i remember like in the warm-up room like i was basically just like his soundboard for whatever the fuck was going through his head and i was like yeah i was just like feedback right um so that was really cool like being able to like yeah i'm going out here i'm trying to pull a pr on deadlift and i did I pulled, I think, 200 kilos. I got 441. And, uh... That was like awesome, but it was in a very low stress environment. Like the 30 seconds beforehand, like not 30, I like the minute or so beforehand, I told my my roommate, Matt, in the audience, I was like, hey, when my name goes up there, text me. And so I was like on my phone, I heard the ding. I was like, it's go time. But for like a minute up to there, I was like blasting heavy metal, getting super hyped, like getting in that arousal state, right? And then that was the peak, right? It was that final deadlift to set the PR. Everything else was running the mill hyping people up, just having a good time, like helping them with their nerves. And I was like, this is like the fun part of powerlifting. Like, uh, that was a good experience for sure. I I think my only time that I felt kind of like that was probably like at Worlds. My first World Meet mm-hmm. was like people started carrying my bags for me and like yeah. they would like, you know, you go to check in like the, the day after the day before. I went to check in and there was this girl like following me around and she was like one of the, uh, another lifter but she was like, oh no, like you don't do anything. Yeah. You right. don't carry your bags and I was like, this is <laughs> weird. I you don't have, load your bar. You don't load your bar. You don't, you just you kind of hang around. I was like, I wanted to be nervous and be like, wow, this is kind of insane. This is intense, but at the same, like I see Ian Bell lift. I was a sub junior at the at the time, and he was a junior. Watching him get ready and like being in the moment, I was like, "Wow, this is insane!" But it was also so surreal. Like, am I really here? Like, is this really is this really worlds? Like, yeah. no. Nah, nah. Yeah. This is, am I a different country? And then, like, you, these guys that were, like, from Russia that go out there, smoke cigarettes, come back for their lift, come go out. Like, everyone's just, like, smoking. And it was, like, in a hot, it was, like, in a big fucking, um, like, it was in a massive venue. But I don't, I, maybe it was, I remember it being hot. Mm-hmm. Um, and these guys just going outside, smoke cigarettes. And, and I, and I felt like I should have been nervous or, like, more, like, intense about it. And I was just, I was in just, like, kind of like flowy flowy it was was like it was in a flow state it was like i wasn't super hyped but i wasn't nervous whatsoever but i felt like i should have been like like my first meet that i should have been nervous right and i wasn't no that's cool for sure yeah Yeah. it was i think my first like like nervous meets was probably maybe nationals my first time at national i didn't know what's going on my first usapl national meet Mm -hmm. uh, i qualified at a local meet and at uh, the one in san antonio um texas showdown maybe or whatever maybe it's called yeah Um, yeah. 
when Wes, Wes Zunger holds, um, qualified for Nats and then showed up and then they gave, like, they had assigned me a coach and I didn't know this guy. He didn't know me. I didn't know any of the rules. I was wearing sh- a shirt when I shouldn't be wearing, or I was not wearing a shirt when I should be wearing a shirt on squats. Uh-huh. And it was people were like, like, dude, what the fuck are you like? Is this kid lifting? Like, yeah. like I don't know what I'm doing. Just, <laughs> You're like, is like, this guy for real? <laughs> <laughs> this is the guy that we're like taking the, the this is the guy. Um, and it was, uh, that was probably the most nervous because I just didn't know any of the rules. Right. Just yeah. Kinda, you don't like, know what's going on. Yeah. Flow Floating through and trying to like be maybe guided by somebody. They wrote my warm-ups for me, but my mm-hmm. warm-ups are so different than what I had done before. And the, the yeah. coach is just like, oh, well, you have your own warm-ups and do your own warm-ups. So yeah. But the coach sent me these warm-ups. They're like, fuck the coach. Just do, do, do your normal thing. I was like, <laughs> fuck yeah. And like that moment was like, oh man, this is like, not only what, good coach. Yeah. Good coach at the time. Like, fuck yeah, to recognize that. And like, okay, cool. Um, but also in the moment like a good coach and like oh god this is comfortable this is finally nice mm-hmm. but even then like all the different rules and the paused commands and the press commands I only competed for the, the, the Texas High School Association at the time right um, and so it was it was a nervous time but not not it was an amazing time either way for sure you know? yeah I remember yeah my first meet like I definitely had the nerves the second one like I said was like the chill one where I was the hype man in the warm up room and uh but the first meet like huge credit uh you, you know David Wilson, right? The yeah. old owner of the gym. Yeah. So like, huge credit to, to David for like getting my mind right going into it because I was working for him at Barbell at the time. And I like told him, I was like, hey, I signed up for the Aggie Showdown. Can I put BVB as my team? I know you're not coaching me, but I work here. Like, is that cool? And he was like, oh, absolutely. Totally fine. And so like, it was like every shift I worked was like a mini masterclass on whatever lift like I was doing that day because I'd, I'd literally just walk up to David. I'd be like, hey, like I'm doing my deadlift. Do you mind watching? it really quick and you'd watch it and give me feedback right and so like going into the meet i was like i have no fucking clue what's going on and so he like gave me the rundown like hey these are the rules this is how you like go about such and such attempts everything like that and uh he was like because it's your first meet like first attempt on everything take whatever weight you think you could hit for a triple in the gym if you could walk into the gym on any day whatever you can load for three reps take that for your first attempt no matter what the weight is and i was like all right cool and so at this point in time i think my pr was like four four fifteen on deadlift four or five with some change plates and uh so like my opening attempt was like 375 or something like that and i remember being in the warm-up room super fucking stressed like i've already done squats and bench right i've gotten my two shitty lifts out of the way i gotta I'm make on it. deadlifts i gotta i gotta pull it right i'm trying to go for a thousand pounds total um <laughs> which is crazy to think about when you weigh like 210 pounds and like your goal is a thousand pounds it's like that ain't shit <laughs> but relative relative. Right, relative yeah context matters i yeah. was like a year into powerlifting right and uh zero athletic training beforehand i guess yeah really quick i didn't grow up doing want, football yeah this i didn't good. do basketball my first sport that i played was ultimate frisbee pickup games at the park like freshman year of high school and then i did rock climbing junior and senior year of high school and that was all of my athletic development and so like no weight room nothing i remember i remember vividly my first year of high school in sixth grade before you go into athletics they get take you into the weight room second semester to get you familiarized and like be like this is the weight room you're doing sports next year i figure it out right and i figure (laughs) it out yeah and they were like all right this is how you spot bench press go and so i get underneath the bar and i can't press the bar for one rep i like had it in my hands i was like this is 45 pounds like this is kind of heavy goes down to my chest i'm like okay here we go it moves like this fucking far like two inches 
And the, the guy that's got him, he's like, oh, yeah, you got it. I'm like, stop. I'm like, no, I can't. And he's like, no, you can't. I was like, no. And then it just keeps starts sinking down on me. I'm like, I can't press this, dude. It was so bad. And then it was that one day, right? That one day of like, this is the weight room. I never went in again. Ever. Oh, man, it was so bad. Oh, it's so good. So anyway, all that for context on my first powerlifting meet, right? I've finally been working out for two years pretty, pretty decently. And so I go out for deadlift and like in the, so before I go out for deadlift, I'm in the warm up room. I'm like, my opening attempt's 375. My last warm up, 365. Easy. And I pull it and I'm like, that was really light. There's no way I'm ready for this fucking platform, right? And so I go on the platform. Huge shout out to Scott Plummer. I don't know if you were around at the gym whenever he was. Um, uh, glasses, pretty pale skin. Jamie. Kind of jack. No. Jamie, pull it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Scott Plummer did a fantastic job. And he asked me beforehand, I remember him asking me like, hey, do you want me to handle you at the meet? And I was like, no, I've talked to David a lot. I think I have like the numbers in mind. Like, I think I'll be good. And I got there and realized instantly I was out of my depth. And then I went up to him in the warm-up room. I was like, Scott, like you got to help me, man. And so he like coached me through it, like helped me with warm-ups and everything. He's like, what's your opener? I was like, 375. He's like, all right, last warm-up, 360 to 365, depending on how 345 feels. And I was like, all right, cool. I pull it, pull the last warm-up. Feels easy. We're behind the stage. I'm about to go out. Nerves are fucking jacked through the roof. And then Scott's like, all right, breathe. And I was like, I, I think I am. He's like, no, 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 take a second. Like, you're fine, dude. I'm like, all right, all right, I can do this. I go out and like 375 just fucking flies. And I was like, all right, I think I can do this. We're in the meat. Yeah. And uh, so three white lights, go out for the second one. I forget what it was. Three white lights. I go out for the third attempt and I get red lighted on the sides. And I don't have a good video and I never got feedback. And I think I had soft knees at the top. I think that was it. It's very calm. Um, and so, like, that was a huge bummer because it was a grindy fucking lift. I think it was like, I mean, we can look it up on open powerlifting, but I want to say it was like 409. I forget what the kilos were. Jamie. Um, Jamie, pull that up. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, like, great experience. Nerves were all time high. Like, literally, the only reason I made it through that meet was because Scott was like, yeah, like, I'll help you out. And he was helping out a couple other lifters. So I kind of got, I, w- I was the second kind of a guy in line. So I didn't get like one-on-one attention, but he was like, what'd you pull? And I was like, I did this. Or like, what'd you squat? I did this. And he's like, all right, bump it this many kilos. Um, and then like he put in the numbers for me because I didn't know what the fuck kilos were. I didn't take time to learn that. I think I pulled on kilo plates once before the meet. It was like the, the week where I'm taking my openers in the gym. And I'm like, all right, we'll throw the kilos on and see what, the, what it looks like. Right. And I was like, why the fuck are there only two reds on this bar? I was like, fuck, I'm so weak, dude. <laughs> oh, it was bad. But yeah, no, it was a great experience overall. Um, I think yeah, I think handling is such a cool experience. Yeah, I'm going to handle, like, uh, you know, a Filipino Nate from the gym. Um, short Filipino, short black hair. He was just lifting just the other day. Yeah, 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 yesterday when he, uh-huh. went in, when I went in, he was doing his SPD day. Yep. Yeah, so I'm going to handle him in November at uh, the Winter War of Waco. Um, yeah, so that'll be my first time handling someone for real. Yeah. Hell yeah. What was the name of the, what was the, name of the meet? Hmm? What's the name of the meet? Oh, Winter War of Waco. I'm Winter. pretty sure. Winter. Winter yeah. War of Waco. I think, I think that's... USAPL or USPA? Uh, uh, USA, uh, what's the next one? The PA, Power of America, the new one? Oh, fuck if I know. Uh, cool. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm pretty sure it's USAPL because it's Nate. I think that's what he competes in. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that'll be my first time. Oh, uh, no, it definitely is because Will and Jose are competing too. And there is, they're USAPL. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that'll be my first time handling someone like for Dude, real. Dude, it's the coolest experience and like it's such a, it's such a big deal. Yeah. Like the, 
the, the, the fact that you have the ability to control the outcome of this person's meat mm. by controlling everything that they do so that they don't have to do anything. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like that, that giving this person the ultimate amount of comfort that you're going to tell them, Hey, on the platform right now. And they're just like, blah, 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 blah. Right. be an athlete. I just need you to lift the fucking weight on the platform. I don't need you to think. I don't need you to fucking, I just need you to breathe right. and lift. That's it. <laughs> you know, like right now it's time for you to drink water. Right I was now about to say breathe, drink water. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like you schedule everything out for them. And it's like, right. it's one of the funnest things to do. And mm-hmm. I, I did it recently for Ashley Andrews at uh, Raw or Meganats is what they called it. USAPL mm-hmm. Meganats in Vegas. Was she, uh, the girl that used to work out at BBB, she used to, she, yeah, she, she worked was. at like Waterbury right down the street. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. I know, Ashley, um, yeah. So I trained with Ashley, or I, 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 I trained with Ashley. She was on the team mm-hmm. on the on the AM team, and my one terrible experience with her, which I think like um, I had like set a weird kind of relationship between us, was she was benching like she was a massive bencher, like right, it was like three. 4360 it was it was something in the high threes yeah uh, for a lady it was insane numbers geared she she's a world she's she's been to world several times and she's done the whole thing right right um and she was like still making movement on, i was spotting her gave her a handoff i gave good handoffs by the way i gave good handoffs um she was pressing and i took it too soon because it looked like to me that it mm. wasn't moving anymore yeah and so she got up and she's like what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, no, you were about to fail. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm still new to the thing. Like, and then to yeah. me, like, it looked like you were doing it. And, and after that, I didn't really talk to her. And then finally, after years and then just, just experience and just time, we got to become friends again. Uh, yeah. I don't even think we weren't not friends. It was just like a weird situation that I probably took way too personally because I do that. Right. Um, yeah. then, um, she, she in her head for that one moment was like, fuck Ben. She <laughs> fucking told, stole my bench, right? Like, what's wrong with that guy? And then like three weeks later, it was probably like not a thing and then you're in you're in your head about it like oh my god i fucked this person's bed yeah exactly i was in my head about it for years dude i was like she's always gonna remember that and and since then i've always been so keen to like watching somebody's bench and so it made me into i guess a really good spotter right i've caught 800 pounds off of somebody's face yeah like just being so attentive to the minor just oh this is gonna move Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of cool but and it um, so got got to handle her at nationals, and it was like put your headphones in, and I want to do all the work. Right, and it's the cool, and you do all the work on that end. But mm. I want to write your numbers down. I'm gonna program. It's just it was just so fun and so gratifying at the end of it to see like we hit the numbers that she wanted to hit, and it was it, it's just it's really fun to be a part of. And like it, I, I hope I wish the best for you, and I yeah. wish the best for both luck for for both of you because both people are competing. Right. And that's yeah. the coolest thing because it's like doing little like minor changes in, in, in numbers. Like this person, she, uh, we, we had a small instance where there was going to be a tie. If mm-hmm. we would have hit two and a half kilos more, if we would have bumped before they bumped, then mm-hmm. we could make them go first. Yeah. And then, then they get out. The, the strategy comes into play, right? Right. And that's Both fun. coaches are like at the like submission table. Like, what, what are you writing down? Or yeah, what, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get two changes. What are you going to do? And it's just writing and finally like trying to submit it without them kind of knowing it. And they're like at the screen and they're like looking and finally it changes and they're like, I got to hurry up. They yeah, yeah, there, yeah. they change theirs. It's so fun. Like it's, it's insanely exciting. 
fine. For sure. Uh, yeah. So I wish the best for y'all. Kind of yeah. jealous a little bit. I, th- I think this will be like the perfect like first meet handling someone too because like Nate doesn't have to like cut weight at all. Like he's in his weight class. I think he's going to end up like maybe a pound or two above. But so he was like, I know like how my weight responds. So like he doesn't actually have to cut anything, right? No severe water cut. Um, so like hydration's not something I have to really worry about other than just make sure he's doing it, right? And then so the stress is taken off there. And then also his coach, uh, his coach and I will like be like talking to each other like across phone. Um, so I have an idea of like where his coach's mind is at based on where he's performing on his openers and stuff like that. And then I'll be the person that's like there, right? But then the upside is like, yeah, his coach like knows his lifts because he records him and sends him in. But then I've worked at Barbell for so long that I've seen him lifting for a year now, right? So like I know what it looks like for Nate to grind. Yeah. Um, he asked me on his squat uh, yesterday. He was like, oh, what do you think that was? And I was like, dude, I haven't seen you max out squat for so long. Like, I don't know what your like max effort really looks like, right? And I was like, but I think that was like a seven and a half. Like I think you load a little bit more, take it for two. Um, I'll or take it, it for two six. more, right? I'll put it as six. Yeah. It moved really well. Like It, it moved well, yeah. Yeah. I think the, the one thing that I wanted to tell him at the beginning, I should have probably told him, mm-hmm. if you're listening, Nate, hopefully you're listening. Yeah. Uh, sponsor our podcast too. Uh, <laughs> just, I think he just, he said, I'm trying to do drug breakthrough and mental block, mental barrier here. Mm-hmm. And trying to like make sure that 315, the way it looks, because the mental game is so big in the sport of powerlifting. Any of these For sports, sure. But yeah. you can make the argument that like at the tippity top, like the 1%, like people buying for podium places and nationals, like it's not how strong you are. It's the mental game, right? Can you survive on the platform with all that hype and right. look at the weight and be like, holy shit. Like, and then still be able to stay calm enough, present enough to do and to perform, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so he was saying that it's a mental barrier. It's a mental barrier. And so like, I could see like a little, I wanted to tell him like, if you're listening, which you know you are, um, like a little, a little dip in his squats. Whenever you watch him squat, he, he has like a little hesitation and then drops. So mm-hmm. if he can connect that, just make that hesitation first and then transition, then it would like, he would be so much better. He just needs to trust in his body because he's strong as fuck. Like right. he can do the thing. Yeah. yeah God. Cause he's for, he's a small guy. Like, mm-hmm. And so fucking strong. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I don't know exactly, like, how many kilos body weight he's at right now. Yeah. But, like, if you're squatting 315 at that size, like, dude, you got fucking strength, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, like, if we, if we took that and, like, put it onto me proportionally... Like I'd be squatting six hundred, right? Yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> and, and that's, like, the thing that's that, crazy for me to think about. I feel like that's the thing that's not really understood all the time, or like appreciated. It's like you mm-hmm. see these little guys, uh, Sergey uh, Fedosinko, yeah, is yeah, probably one, and he lifts in gear. But even Rob, he's been on top of the world for for years, um, wins the World Games, all these good things. He's so small, and he's like his numbers are impressive. Like he squats five hundred pounds, six hundred pounds, right. and he is tiny. This, yeah. If you lift on an ER rack. He's, he lifts on a two. No way. Oh, my he gets gosh. Off of I didn't realize he was that short. Oh, he's geez. insanely short. I have a picture with him at the world when they went to Florida. Uh-huh. And he's just like this tiny but very stout, very stern man. Yeah. And just to, they, they, people see that and they're like, oh, it's just 500 pounds versus they look at Blaine who's squatting 500 kilos. And yeah. Like, wow, that's insane. Which it is. But that's also right. more insane because if if you put the I guess at the time they used the Wilkes score, mm-hmm. his Wilts was better than Blaine's. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's like pound for pound, this guy is like crazy fucking strong. Yeah, definitely ahead. 
Um, who's the the guy who exploded in the last like three years? Um, Taylor or something or other. Atwood. Yeah, Taylor Atwood. Also insane. Fucking phenomenal lifter. And like, I remember it was Taylor Atwood and Sean Noriega that were like the two lifters that put it in perspective for me. Um, when it came to like looking jacked in pictures versus what you look like in real life, because it's like uh, they have that posing room at whatever gym it is in Houston that a lot of powerlifters go Alpha to. Alpha Land. Yeah, Alpha Land. Um, Never been, but I want to go. Honest. I think it was Alpha Land. That's very popular. Uh, corrupted, corrupted strength is another one too. One, one of them has a posing room that has mirrors and lighting for bodybuilding posing. And I saw a picture of Sean Noriega, and I was like, "Holy fuck, this guy is a tank!" Like this guy is huge, phenomenal proportions. Like he's got to be on gear, right? That was that was me. Of course, like, <laughs> I was like, he's got to be on steroids. There's no way you look like that in that weight class. And then Nate and uh, I think I think it was Jacob, uh, um, one of the dudes at Barbell, went out and like got a picture with him. And like I saw Sean next to them, and I was like, whoa, Sean's fucking short. Oh my god, the reason he looks like a beast is because nobody else is in the picture, right? He is built like no. <laughs> No, no doubt the dude is fucking yoked however like that's when i like had that realization i was like oh like taylor atwood sean noriega um there's another dude ah uh, like skinny legs really built upper body and like afro uh, i forget his name there's russ swole russ swole yeah that guy's just he's just a fridge <laughs> um i forget what his name is but he does like different training than a lot of power he does like weighted pull-ups and dips and like you don't see a whole lot of powerlifters doing those movements almost never but i saw him i was like that guy's on drugs for sure hands down and then i saw him next to somebody else i was like oh no like you're just built and like short right and uh but anyway yeah so what it would be to be short yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and so like going like full circle back to it like so yeah taylor atwood like crazy pound for pound strength and so like people just don't realize just how heavy those weights are right so like nate walking into barbell you look at him and don't know what he lifts you're like maybe he maxes like 225 on bench like you probably pull 315 right he's a power lifter but then you see him lift and it's like oh this dude's at three plates on squat four plates on deadlift like the dude's freakishly strong uh for his frame right and then like then you zoom out even more and you start thinking about what about not just for his frame like compare him against all the population of people on earth like everybody that works out at bvb is in like the top 10 right top 10 percent of people across the world right just because strength sports are so niche right there's people that are freakishly strong from other countries that have trained spring uh strength sports but like if you can rep 225 on bench like you're a fucking alpha if you compare yourself against the rest of the world right? which is insane to me because it's yeah. like if you're in the gym and you're like repping 225 yeah. you're like man i only totally repping 225 yeah, you know right? it's like <laughs> this is a shit or even deadlifting sometimes mm-hmm. like deadlift 400 pounds it's like yeah if you compare it to the to grand scheme like holy shit like you're you're able to deadlift 400 pounds yeah and then you like you look at the top and you're like Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, David's like YOLO pulling 900 on a deadlift bargain. Oh, great. I'm nothing. And then like, again, you zoom out and like, look at like the, like even like the people I work with, right? It's like everybody that I work with, um, given like take away like two of the trainers can deadlift for 400 plus like 450. Right. And so like I'm nothing, right. I'm totally adequate compared to a lot of lifters. But when you live that life, like, yeah, you get in that headspace and then I go to HEB, right. I'm buying groceries. I'm like, I can fucking take anybody. (laughs) And then I get to the checkout and there's like the one rando, like farm, like farm raised cornbread, like grasslands guy. That's like six, 
foot eight, absolutely yoked. And it's like, okay, maybe I can't take it. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's like really crazy. Like people like on like Nate's level, it's like, yeah, dude, you're in like the top 10% of like the world population. It's absolutely nuts. It's both very humbling to be in the area, but also mm-hmm. stepping away from it's also very confident building, I guess. Right. I, it's, yeah. it's sometimes I get on the internet and like, damn, do I only lift that? Like I'm, like, I'm, lift, I'm lifting this and these people are lifting that. Yeah. Like, like watching Blaine bench 900 pounds. Right. Like, yeah. That's insane. But to think like, I've had 600 pounds in my hands. Mm-hmm. That's a lot, right? <laughs> right? Right, <laughs> like, right, right. Somebody saw, give me my cookie, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I still have this like weird concept of like, I need that external validation to make this right. Because mm-hmm. if somebody who's out of the space is like wow that's a lot of weight I'm like well it really isn't but thanks for thinking it is I guess you know like wow you yeah. did it to 225 for 420 reps that's, okay, that's different um, you lifted 450 right mm-hmm. and somebody else is like wow that's that's amazing and then you're in the space and you're like well no, no, thanks like, but, well there's this dude like 40 pounds lighter that pulls 500 so <laughs> it's it's a it's a wild a wild group of people and right. it's also one of the best populations that I've ever been around. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite groups of people I've ever been around. For sure. And I think part of like you you wouldn't think that there are people who are so complex that are in the space, but most of the people that are in there mm-hmm. are complex people. Yeah. And if you like there's the stereotype of like gym meathead, right? So like you go in and it's like, oh, all these people are just here like pumping iron. That's for life. It's like, not nah, like we have lives outside of the gym too. I'm a bad example because I'm a like dedicated personal trainer. So like I have memberships at like three different gyms. My life is literally just lifting and watching other people lift, right? Um, but like, yeah. So it's like Nate's doing, um, I forget if it's a master's or PhD right now. But he's like working in a lab five days a week doing research on mice and stuff like what you're doing, right? And then like there's a dude that's like an undercover police officer that works out at the gym, right? And the workout is like an hour and a half of his day and he's doing like protecting the public for the rest of it, right? Um, and yeah, I don't know. The Again, I'm privileged to have like worked at a gym for that long. So I've seen it all happen, right? And uh, so I've seen the meatheads come in and to the, the general public's eye, it's like, oh, you just pump iron. You're not smart, right? But then I get to have all those conversations with people in the gym um, and like I spot people and then I get to learn about their training because I'm asking like what weight they're going for like where they are in their training like cycle stuff like that and it's like oh wow these people are like a lot more complex than just like numbers on a bar right Infinitely more complex. Very cool. Yeah. Like there are some people on the powerlifting team that uh, I don't know if you know Scott Dobbins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he he came up with the DRL, the the white light system that they now use. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's also done. Now he's he worked for Apple doing as like a uh, he's a computer science major, so he does coding. Okay. okay. Um, so he just he wrote. A bunch oh, so of, the white light system was easy for him, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, easy. Papitas. Yeah. It's something super simple. If, versus if I looked at, it, I'd be like, dude, this is high level math right here. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah right. Exactly. <laughs> here um so he did that and then he did he was a, a, a developer a software developer for apple mm-hmm. and you, I, I feel like that was a, a petroleum engineer that worked that was in the gym that wrote a lot of our training mm-hmm. um nathan westbrook who now writes, he has a business where he writes training for people right uh, on, uh, like westbrook it's like literally westbrook training systems westbrook strength or something yeah, like that yeah. jd um and so he he's he's and on, on top of that he's all he, he was one of the first people that had that in at Valero started doing these like uh, they would use algae they put water 
put algae on top mm-hmm. and then they would create gasoline because mm-hmm. they were specifically engineered algae that would end up using the water to create an ethanol. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's like on the side, he also is doing this insane thing, but then he's also writing training for all these people. Right. And so yeah. he takes such a, like an, and then casually pulling 400 for reps in his own training. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty, it's a, it's a good time and a lot of good people. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think we're going to cap it out there. Yeah. No, that's totally fine. Yeah. Any other burning questions you want to get on there before we, before we dip out? What brought you to lifting? Um, you weren't athletic, right? Being small. <laughs> no, um, that, that is part of it. I think everybody that starts off as like the skinny fat phase is like, oh, I want to look better, right? Um, for me, it was ultimate frisbee. So, like I mentioned, like I had zero athletic background whatsoever. I was in marching band freshman year. And for whatever reason, like the section leaders were like, we're playing ultimate frisbee in our free time is like team bonding. And I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. Like, I actually have skill with this. And then so we started playing pickup games. And then I hit like a plateau. And it was the first time I ran into a fitness plateau. And I didn't know what it was at the time. So I was like researching. I was like, how to get better at ultimate frisbee. And then somebody was like, box jumps, hill sprints. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like working out? What? No, like I want to get better at the skill, right? And so it was my first intro to cross training, right? Do something different than what you're doing to get better at what you are doing, right? And uh, so I looked that up. And then that was, again, like my first foray into cross training. I realized that I liked a leg pump. And then I was like, well, I don't have a gym membership, but I could probably do the same pumping with my upper body if I did like push-ups and pull-ups. And so then I got into calisthenics from there, did a whole bunch of push-ups and pull-ups at the park, did the squats, did the cross training for ultimate frisbee. And that was like where I first started developing like that athletic base, right? Still zero weightlifting whatsoever. And then I got to college and my freshman year, I was like, I have a rec center. Like, let's go check it out. Right. And I walk in, those dudes just fucking repping stuff on bench, right? Loading it up on deadlift. I'm like, I'm so out of my element. Like, what is going on? But my sweet mate, uh, cause we had like two rooms conjoined by a bathroom. So the two guys that lived the room over, one was a lacrosse player and one was like the, the country raised cornbread farm boy. And he was yoked. And I was like, Zach, like, what do you do? And he was like, Oh, just come to the gym with me. I'll show you. And so he was like the first person that got me into like the weightlifting, like atmosphere. Right. Um, which was good because I probably wouldn't have done it otherwise. Cause I was very intimidated the first time I went to the rec. I was like, maybe this isn't for me, but then, I was alongside Zach who looks like like miniaturized Viking was basically like his vibe and uh, so I was like well I'm with somebody who knows what they're doing let's try it out and then um, yeah pretty much from there is like fell in love with just like lifting weights I was like oh wow like I'm seeing crazy gains really really fast discovered powerlifting after I got like a decent amount of like lifting underneath my belt um, and because I was still a noob it was like oh my deadlift's like 200 pounds really trying hard I went back home for the summer did a whole lot of rock climbing and then kept the cross training mentality I was like I'll do other stuff too oh I'm kind of good at deadlift I could progress really fast and then I went from like 200 to 305 like just under 315 like within the summer right and uh, so yeah those those new games gains were definitely like yeah this is it like this is really fun hit another plateau and then that's the same time I started working at Brazosfelli Barbell Um, and then David was like this is what you should do with your training from there. And it kind of like took me underneath his wing. Um, 
And like, I would just like ask him questions during my shift while he was doing his own training. He was like really cool about it and just like answered and went from there. So, so yeah, a little bit of the skinny fat wanting to look better, but a lot of it was like, oh, I really like ultimate Frisbee. Like, how do I get better? Some dude that looks really good online has told me to jump on a box and run up a hill. We'll try it. And then it worked. And I was like, <laughs> we'll lean into this a little bit. And then fast forward, what, eight years later, and I'm like, this is my life now, right? <laughs> I do this for fun. And then I train people on how to do it for their own health and well-being too. And uh, yeah, it just works. What is your five-year goal? Do you have do you have a five-year plan? Like what, where do you see yourself in five years? So I have like a three-year plan. Okay. Um, my lease is up next February, March era. I don't know the exact date. I'm going to sign another 12-month lease somewhere in College Station and train like keep my personal train job through 2023 and then after that probably going to be looking for like a salaried position somewhere in austin houston dallas one of like the like big cities right um and then ideally that would be in some capacity of training people one-on-one but then also like being more of the like coordinating aspect right kind of like what my boss colt Colt does at merit house right now where it's like i know how to train people so now i can like help other people vet their programs for their own clients um so in the short term next couple years still one-on-one personal training and then within the next five years, building into some sort of leadership role in that same capacity, but helping other trainers do what I'm doing currently. Last question. And usually I'll end off. I'm going to end the recording mm-hmm. after you say your last thing. So I just want to say my last thing. Yeah. Thank you for everyone for tuning in. I appreciate it. Y'all are amazing. Love you. Okay. So what is a, a lesson that you've learned that you would like to leave off of today's podcast and somebody's going to listen to this and be like damn like that, that, that it, it, it means something to you that you would want that, a lesson that you've learned that you would want to share with other people yeah uh, this actually goes back to something I wanted to say earlier when we are talking about the hippy dippy stuff oh this is good oh I'm proud of this so there's a word called gnosis and gnosis is can best be defined as transcendental knowledge obtained through experience. And so we've talked about a whole lot of stuff right today, right? Like uh, speaking your mind to people, leading with love, all that good stuff. Um, Certifications are kind of bunk. However, sometimes they have their place. So I like to embrace the concept of gnosis with what I do now. And so I would say... If there's anything you want to learn more about, don't just listen to people talk about it. Go do it, right? So Gnosis is the idea that it's experience through repetition and doing it yourself. It's one thing to say you're going to do something. There's one thing to write it down. But actually doing it is going to be like the best way to learn. And I didn't realize how much I liked lifting until I went out and did it. I didn't realize how much I liked working one-on-one with people until I had my first client. And so anything that I take into my own training regimen um, or like when I give to clients, I always try myself first. Um, The certification is great. The talking to other people about it is great. But nothing is going to replace like the actual experience of you going out and just doing the thing, whatever that thing is, right? Whether it be in business, personal relationships, uh, furthering your career, anything like that. Thank you for listening to the Ben Navarro's podcast. 
check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and all other major podcast hosting platforms. Be sure to leave us a five-star review on iTunes.